Big Sills. Good afternoon, all. Big Sills here, National Football Show, Divisional Championship Weekend. Let that settle in a little bit here. The divisional round, best weekend in the National Football League. You're going to see great football games all weekend long. Saturday and Sunday will be the best. This is the best time of the year. Look, last week was as good as it can get. Maybe one of the better wild card weekends I've seen in recent memory. But the, the divisional rounds, they, they, they never don't show up and give the fans a great weekend. Dude, this is going to be a fantastic, fantastic weekend. Oh, I know last night, Cowboy fans are out in force today. We're going to pump the brakes on that here in a minute. Hey, bottom of the hour, Merrill Reese, the legendary voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, will join us. At the bottom of the hour, we will talk to our friend. Um, Funny, Xander asked me the question. He goes, boy, the Cowboys look really good. Their true test is San Francisco. Do you know that was the Cowboys' first victory on the road in the postseason since the 1992 season? Did you hear me? That was the first road playoff win since the 92 season. It's not like we've seen a lot of success here with that Cowboy team in the postseason. Albeit, that was a great performance by Dak. Jerry Jones needed it. Mike McCarthy needed it. Certainly, Dak Prescott needed it. That football team needed it. The NFL needed it because that's their darling team. We all know that. Okay? We all know that. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers turned out to be the worst game of the wild card weekend was last night. Buccaneers did not deserve to be in the postseason. They were terrible. It was a brutal performance by everyone, including TV 12. Okay? It was a terrible performance. And the Cowboys now, and does a game like that give you motivation and momentum? Yeah. But we'll find out how good... The 49ers are, and we'll find out how good the Dallas Cowboys are. By the way, you know, I, I, I see Eagle fans on social media going, who the Niners played? Well, who have you played? Who have you played? But then again, you can go down the list of pretty much any team. To me, it's more about what quarterbacks have you played? What experienced quarterbacks have you played? I mean, really, this has been a schedule for the Eagles of no-name quarterbacks. Outside of Aaron Rodgers, there's nobody on that schedule the Philadelphia Eagles have played this year that was a top-flight quarterback. Nobody. And the one time you played him, Dak, he put 40 points on you. And as I said to you, all the quarterbacks that play against the Eagle defense all have high percentage completion percentages. And Jonathan Gannon can't stop him. Keeps them underneath. A lot of the teams that they played this year. And again, it's not an eagle issue. It's not an eagle issue. It's a league issue. The Cowboys didn't play anybody. The Eagles haven't played anybody. Or I should say significant quarterbacks. The whole NFC East didn't play anybody this year. It's not just a 49er thing. It's an NFC thing. The better quarterbacks are in the AFC. Facts. 
Facts. And Tom Brady was pathetic last night. What's the future for him? You know, my question would be to Tom Brady, why? What makes me come back? Is it truly the love of the game? And I get that better than anybody. I understand it. But seriously, what's the end game for that? San Francisco's got their guy. Brock Purdy, it's not Trey Lance. Going to the Raiders? There's talent there, I guess. But why? What's the end game? Dak Prescott, enormous game for him. Dude, you got to win ball games. You are getting paid $42 million a year. You got to win games like that against lesser teams. Look at how everybody is crowning the Cowboys and Dak. Dude, you did what you're expected to do. This is why you make that money. Congratulations for not robbing a bank. You have to win those games to be called elite. It was an elite performance. But am I going to sit here on January 17th and go, the Cowboys, man, they look like the team to beat now in the NFC? No, because the consistent team all year long has been in Philadelphia. That, that scans both conferences. They have been the most consistent team all year. And to sit there and go, well, they can be, they can beat the Eagles. They can. But am I going to sit here and go, they're going to put these games back to back, just like we talked about yesterday with Danny Dimes? I don't know. Is he going to show up to Lincoln Financial and put a performance on like he did up in Minneapolis? I don't know that. I have no idea yet. We have to wait and let this thing play out. By the way, you know the funny thing about social media? And I don't respond much to the idiots on there. They're like, Sills, I thought you said Danny Dimes sucked. I did. The Giants thought he sucked. They didn't pick his 50-year option up. The New York Giants thought he sucked. So if Dan Cilio on the National Football Show here every single Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 Eastern, thought Daniel Jones sucked, why don't you ask the Giants why they didn't pick up the fifth-year option? Why didn't they pick it up? You know why? They didn't believe he was the guy. That's right. Philiopolis. Everybody thought, everybody, including the franchise he played for, thought he sucked. Dude, they have to regret not picking that up now because the 50-year option was $18 million. If they franchise tag the offseason, it's $45.3 million. The Giants have put themselves in a bind. I'd surely like to be Danny Dimes' agent right now because they're going to keep him. God forbid he goes into Lincoln Financial and wins that game and has two playoff wins. It would be remarkable. It would be remarkable. 
You think they regret not picking that fifth-year option up now? Just remember this. When people fire back at me and say, Sills, you talk shit on Daniel Jones. The freaking Giants didn't believe in him either. They didn't pick the fifth-year option up. So if I'm sitting here saying it, that's one thing. But when the Giants don't pay you and don't believe in you, why don't you ask them? Here's the two significant moves that the Giants effed up in the offseason. Letting James Bradbury go and not picking up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. Tell you something. You could give that franchise all the kudos in the world, and rightfully so after the Dave Gettleman nightmare. But to sit here and tell me, going into that Eagle Divisional game, that the Giants have made all the right moves? They have? You don't think they'd like to have Bradbury back in the secondary? Phantom goes, never pay a dual threat. Completely agree. I'm not changing off that. I'm not changing off that. But where are you going if you let Dimes Jones go? He will get money in the open market. Are the Cowboys legit? That's another question that's being thrown around this afternoon. I don't know. You beat a shitty Bucks team. I'll say the same thing. Look, there's one thing you can always count on me. And by the way, one, one other thing. There's no such thing as flip-flopping on this show. Players either get better or they get worse. I'm honest with it. I'm honest. I don't consistently stay on one side of the aisle based on a player's performance. You know, Xander, it took him about a year to understand that with me because he's been so schooled with the sports talk in Philadelphia. Dude, I don't dictate topics. The players do. The coaches do. The organizations do. If they get better, my take is supposed to stay the same? That's comical. Guy gets, Jalen Hurts sucked last year in a playoff game. Jalen Hurts this season has improved every week. Is Is that a lie? Is that flip-flop? Nobody in their right mind because the question going into the season, go read the Philadelphia Inquirer, is Hurts the guy? Again, not me saying it. Even the organization was saying it. You think Howie Roseman went out and got two first-round draft choices in the offseason to take a safety? Come on, man. Come on, use your brains. Don't be stupid like some of those other people out there. I never thought Hertz could make the jump he has. Philiopolis, me too. Me too. We're in agreement. Look at that, 11 minutes in. And, and Philiopolis, you want to hear something? I'll concede this to you. I think Jalen Hurts has improved at being a winning quarterback in the NFL in his first year from starting to his second year, more so than Josh Allen. I believe that's a fact. But that's not mine, mine altering takes. 
All you had to do was watch the games this year. I mean, that's not some epiphany. That's reality. Okay? That's that that's reality. Still secretly wears a Hertz jersey on Sundays. Maniac, it would be more of a Bill Berge uh, jersey if it would be, all right? You know, I'm more partial to those Vermeil guys. Okay, so it would be a Berge. I had forgotten that Bill Berge played in Cincinnati first before he got to Philly. I'd forgotten that. It would be more of a Bill Berge jersey, dude. It wouldn't be a Hertz jersey. It'd be a Berge jersey. Is that okay? Be You know, it'd be a... It'd be a Bill Berge jersey. All right. I got, I got a kind of a subtopic that I was asked like a couple of minutes before we came on the air here. Has Nick Sirianni improved as a head football coach since last playoff game against the Buccaneers? And if he has, in what way? Okay. In what way? Man, I'd love to have a Bednarik jersey. You just, hey, Holy cow. I, 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 hey, James, now you, you, you sparked my interest because for about 15 years, that hit on Gifford was on my desktop. <laughs> that and the, um, the Lindros hit by Stevens were two of my favorite pictures of all time. I never realized they were Philadelphia-centric, but it's true. Okay? Has he gotten better as a head football coach since last January? Okay, has he? And, I, and and Candom, I got it. He hasn't played yet. Saturday is the playoff game, divisional round. I'm talking about him just as a coach and how he handles himself. You think he's any different than he was this past January? Richard says no. We're going to find out Saturday night if Sirianni's gotten better. So you think, uh, and I'm, I'm very happy to see this. So you think Saturday will tell us if... Sirianni has grown as a coach. I agree. I think this playoff game is going to tell us if I think Jalen has grown. Jalen has grown. Now, will he be in the position to start his legacy in the postseason? Because he's the most, well, I should say he's the least successful quarterback going into the divisional round of any quarterback that's left. He's the least successful. We're going to find out. I, but hey, Jalen's gotten better. And do I expect Jalen to play better? I'll tell you why. I'm not sure yet. Because play calling could be an issue here. Okay? Not Jalen. But play calling. I'll explain. You guys are dead on. We're not going to know if Sirianni is a good coach or not until Saturday night. We know Doug Peterson is. And I'll tell you what, I know everybody was chanting and rooting. Xander told me he hadn't rooted for a win that was non-Eagle related more. He can't remember when than what happened this past Saturday when the Jags upset the Chargers. He said he was thrilled. But in the back of all your minds, you know what you're saying? I don't think Sirianni is as good as a head coach as Doug. 
he goes out there and wins this game convincingly, and you should. You're seven and a half point favorites. I think that number will probably crawl back. Because you don't know Hertz's status. I'm going to explain where I'm going with that. Sirianni has a lot on the line Saturday night, as does Jonathan Gannon, as does Shane Steichen. These guys are all being considered coach of the year and candidates around the league for current openings as head coach. You've got a lot on the line this week, the coaching staff. Futures, presence, perception, all of that is on the line Saturday night for that coaching staff. Funny, I feel more comfortable about Jalen Hurts going into that game against the Giants than I do about your coaching staff. And here's why. The Eagles will get beat on Saturday night. If we see a few of these things, if Jalen Hurts is not given the full autonomy to run the ball, they won't beat the Giants. If we don't see Jalen Hurts, the Jalen Hurts prior to the Chicago game, the Eagles will be beat. If Dine Jones outrushes Jalen Hurts and Hurts doesn't take off, you know, we'll see, can, can, can I tell you this? I listened to the press conference today. Could some of it be gamesmanship? When Hurts was asked about the shoulder, he gave one of those around-the-bend kind of answers and everyone's saying he's better than he was a week ago. That's a lawyer's answer. I watched the whole Sirianni interview, and then I watched Jalen. They were lawyer's answers. They were, like, scripted from the public relations department. Now, could it be gamesmanship? Absolutely. You don't want to tell your enemy your weakness, and I get that, and I understand I understand that as well as anybody. If you've ever read The Art of War by Sun Tzu, you understand. Never tell your opponent your weakness. I get it. I understand it. it, it, it it's, it's, a, it's a coaching philosophy. But if Jalen Hurts... Now, the Giant game... Look, do I think the Giant game showed us anything? This, this recent Giant game, no, both teams. Giants didn't play anybody. The Eagles barely played to win it because they needed it, but they wanted to get help. You know, there were so many factors in the Eagles on why they played like shit in that final game. I'm not really – it was their worst effort, worst coaching, but I kind of get it. They just wanted to get it done. And, 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 and that's what happens when you just go through the motions. The Giants surrendered. They were not going to put up – they did put up a fight. But I don't gauge anything off that game. I don't game. I don't. I don't gauge anything off of that. But I'll tell you, man. If Jalen Hurts can't run the ball, Eagles are beat. He's got to be Jalen Hurts. He's got to be the dual threat guy he is, because he's not an elite passer. He beats you with his complete game. That's how he beats you. He's not going to sit back and beat Dan Dimes Jones. Can't beat the Eagles just sitting back as a drop back quarterback. He can't beat Philly. 
If Jalen Hurts runs the ball like Jalen Hurts and throws the ball like Jalen Hurts, Giants can win that, or the Eagles can win that game 30 to 20. Okay? The question mark will be, will he? Will he? And I think that's probably one of the reasons a lot of people have a little anxiety going into this game on Saturday night. The play calling is going to be essential. Okay? If you just let it rip and he goes out there and plays Jalen Hurts football, Eagles will win. I think pretty good, too. And plus, I want to see the Giants do it again. You know, we have to... As critical as I am of the Eagles, let's be fair here. Hey, putting those games back-to-back like that and making yourself... Dude, are we under some sort of impression that Daniel Jones is now all of a sudden Eli Manning and this guy's going to go on some sort of psychotic Nick Foles streak? I don't know yet. I want to see him do it again. You know what I mean? I want to see him do it again. I'm not sold on that. As great as he played, he was spectacular. Daniel Jones was spectacular in that Vikings game. But I want to see him do it again. Hurts, the only reason, DR, that Hurts has any kind of statistical success is because he throws lower percentage passes, lesser passes, and he runs. He's not a pocket Passer. End of story. He doesn't throw the high-level passes that the elite arms do. End of story, guy. Joe Burrow's not a runner. Mahomes barely runs. All those top-flight guys don't run. Okay? The only reason he's... He threw the ball 450 times. Those elite guys throw it 700 times, twice as many times as Jalen Hurts does in a year. Of course, they're going to have higher turnovers. They throw higher skilled passes than Jalen. Facts. Dude, how many times does Jalen Hurts throw a football deep in a game? Three? Josh Allen throws the ball 30 deep passes. Come on, man. I'm moving off that topic because I'm not sitting here for four hours talking shit and trying to convince idiots that you think Jalen Hurts is a pocket passer. Where the hell did you get that from? (laughs) Just watch a game, dude. Turn a game on and watch it. Watch Burrow. Watch Allen. Watch Mahomes. Watch any of these guys. And then you tell me, oh, I'll talk Jalen as a pocket passer over Josh Allen. Come on, man. Let's go to the Cowboys here. Are the Cowboys now a true true threat? Okay? Are they a true threat? Um, are the Cowboys a true threat? Dolphy goes, do you you think Hurts is the guy, Sills? I'll find out Saturday night. Here, I'll make a point to you. I'll make a point to you here in a second. I'll jump the gun here and get into this topic. Do you guys think 
that the Cowboys are a threat to win the NFC. Cowboys are up and down. Travis is dead on. Joey says no. I think the Cowboys are a threat. Everybody's a threat. Everybody is a threat now. Bringing it back, yes. Okay? Are the Cowboys a threat? Xander says yes. The Cowboys put two games together and they beat the 49ers. They'll be favored. They'll be favored against the Eagles because of what Dak's success has been against the Eagles. He's eight and one against you. They'll be favored. If the Cowboys win that game against the 49ers, they'll be favored to beat the Eagles at home. Remember I said that. Remember I said that. Michael Parsons showed up last night, but it, it, I think it's going to be incredible. There's so much. I, I, I'll tell you something. I think this is one of the things that we always say about playoff football. I think it's remarkable that we're looking at um, – we're looking at some of these games that we've seen outside of last night and really the second half of that 49ers Seahawks game. These games have all been as advertised. And when you got a common opponent like the Giants and the Eagles, I mean, guys, this is going to make for a pretty damn good football game. And I'll tell you what, man, I, I that Giant team does not look the same. I couldn't believe what they did against Minnesota. All right. All that being said, we're so privileged that Merrill Reese finds time with us all the time, and we thank him. He's got a big call Saturday night at Lincoln Financial. Um, let me let me start it here with you, Merrill. Um, how important do you think that buy was for the Eagles getting ready for this game Saturday night against the Giants? I think it's important at this time of the year, Dan, for every team. Every team that gives up, there's only two teams, one in the NFC and one in the AFC, but for those teams that get the buy, it's always important. In fact, if you could take all the teams in the tournament, a buy would have benefited every one of them because after after 17 football games, there have got to be guys who have bruises and sprains and pulls and whatnot to heal. So I think it's important, uh, especially in the case where your quarterback was coming off of an injury. But I think he's in pretty good shape. And I actually think he was in pretty good shape a couple of weeks ago, but they were very careful in limiting his playbook. M Merrill, I, I said this a couple minutes ago to open the show here. I think we're going to get a really good sense on where he is health-wise if the playbook is opened. And what I mean by that is the last regular season game, they obviously didn't want him running. They wanted him throwing it away. They didn't want him taking chances on running. He ran a few times to get out of some harm's way. But do you think if the if we're going to know immediately if the playbook's open and we see him on third down taking off again to break perimeter down, I think, if, or if they're a little more conservative and how they play him, we'll know right away if that playbook is open. I think it'll be open. Uh, if if you look at this season, you know what was missing in that last game. Uh, you talk about the fact that the Eagles were not up to their their usual productivity out of the red zone. And the play that was missing that worked so often during the season was the quarterback draw. I mean, he had mastered it where he takes one step back and then sachets usually untouched up the middle. And he didn't use that once. He really didn't run up the middle a couple of the times he rolled out. And when he didn't find a receiver, he ran down 
the sideline and then stepped out at the perfect time. But basically, he stayed out of the traffic areas. And I think this time he'll have the whole field at his disposal. Do you think, Merrill, that the Eagles had been pulling back a little bit on Miles Sanders the last couple games of the year? Because I was talking to Mike Missanelli the other day. He thought he was a little banged up in his knee and thought that there was a little slight injury that he had. And that's kind of one of the reasons why the Eagles maybe didn't utilize him more and give him more carries. You think that's why we saw him sporadically in the play calling? I do. I really do. And it's no secret. They weren't. It, it, because every day you'd look and you'd say, uh, when, when you look at the report from practice, it would say limited participant, Miles Sanders, and then knee. So he obviously was not 100%. He didn't have an injury that needed any kind of repair, um, just a little rest and a chance to heal. So I think that, that that's an accurate statement to think that they did not feature him the way they have in the past because he was not 100%. But I think he's 100% now. Merrill, I'll tell you, the, the the obvious sign of coaching is in New York. And I made a comparison. I think this giant team looks kind of like the 2021 Eagles. You know, prior to them where they ended up getting big-time wide receivers and adding some more components on the defensive side. The, coach, the, the first game, I think that's more the game. And that was week 14, so it's kind of close to where we are today, but – have you been surprised on how well Daniel Jones is taking a da uh, Brian Dable and how well that giant team looked? I mean, they look spectacular against Minnesota. This could be a game on Saturday night. I think it will be. I, I think a lot of fans and some members of the media expect this to be a route because you look at the comparative records here, the Eagles 14-3 and the Giants were 9-7-1. and but this is not the same Giants team. I mean, a couple of weeks, the Eagles, th that's no barometer of all the game against the backups. But go back to December the, um, December the 11th, and the Eagles beat them up pretty badly. But that doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, this, is, this is several weeks later, and I think the Giants continue to get better. And as far as Daniel Jones is concerned, Dan, I liked him from the time I watched him at Duke. I watch a lot of college football, and I thought, I thought he was special. And I think the biggest problems he had in the first couple of years uh, were injuries and uh, a tendency to turn over the ball via interception or fumble. But this Giants coaching staff has emphasized uh, improvement in both of those areas. And I think he's a real good quarterback. And I agree with you. I thought he's coming off of an absolutely terrific game against the Vikings. And I think that if I were to rate the quarterbacks going into next season, based on what I'm seeing now, he's a top 10 quarterback. That's a great statement. And I'm telling you, he's, he's knocking all kinds of barriers down. And just think of this too, Marilyn. I mean, we have a conversation in our off season when it comes to Jalen hurts, but can you imagine going back and what the fan base must be thinking about the giants going like this? And they passed on the fifth year option on Daniel Jones. That means now if you franchise tag him, it's expected to be $45.3 million. And you talk about uh, – and, and then letting Bradbury go. I mean, for all the things the Giants have done right, you let Bradbury go and you didn't pick up the 50-year option on Daniel Jones. I think that's going to be a pretty interesting offseason for what um, the Giants are going to have to go through. But let's get back over with the Eagles here.
Do you think it's more important to get Dallas Goddard going or Miles Sanders going in this game against the Giants on Saturday night? I think Dallas Goddard. I mean, I think it's important with Miles Sanders too. But don't forget, uh, with Miles Sanders, there's another little guy who comes in there, wears number 35, and runs low to the ground and they can't find him behind the line of scrimmage. You like him, Merrill. I love him. I love Boston Scott. Boston Scott is a heck of a back. He played a great game against the Giants back up a few, few weeks ago. I call him I call him the Giant Killer. Two guys I call the Giant Killer. One is Boston Scott, and the other is Jake Elliott, whose introduction to the Giants in 2017 was a 61-yard game-winning field goal. And he has been belting the Giants ever since, kicking them in the teeth. So those two guys specialize in beating the Giants. But Boston Scott is awfully good. Now, I'm not, I'm not belittling Miles Sanders. He's your bread and butter back, or as they, they call them sometimes, your bell cow back. But I, I think he's had an outstanding season. Miles really has. I mean, you're talking about Miles Sanders, who this year rushed for 11 touchdowns, averaged almost five yards a carry, and was just under 1,300 yards for the season. So you're talking about a great back. All I'm saying is they're a little they're, – they're deep there. And their third down back, Kenneth Gainwell, is in chop liver also. He kind of reminds me of the old Dave Meggett that the Giants had, Boston Scott. Catch yeah. pass out of the backfield, a dual back where he you could plug him in anywhere. He's, he's not afraid inside the tackles to run also. He runs off tackle. He's pretty, he's pretty versatile. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. The importance of getting Lane back, no matter what the percentage is. And again, too, Merrill, not to throw shade on Lamar Jackson for not playing at 100%, you know, and not even showing up and being on the sideline with his teammates um, in that game last weekend. Um, I have a problem with stuff like that. But getting Lane back and having him in the huddle, in your opinion, means what? Well, it, it means a lot. I'm not aware of the inside part of the Lamar Jackson uh, situation. Uh, did they want him on the sideline or did they not want him on the sideline? And as far as his injury was concerned, could he have not played with it? If it were an injury where he could have furthered the damage already, uh, maybe he was doing, they were doing the wise thing. I don't, I can't answer that, but I can talk about Lane Johnson. He is, he is your basic warrior. He's your gladiator. He'd go down. He'd, he'd come out on one leg if he had to. That's Lane Johnson. He wants to be there for the playoffs. He is. He is. He defines the word toughness and grit. He's so so tough. Now, my concern is not can Lane Johnson start because he can start and he can suck up the pain and he'll take whatever they'll give him to minimize the effect. My question is, can he last? And that's what you have to watch out for. Can this injury be exacerbated because he is so tough to the point where by halftime or the third quarter, he really can't keep going. And it's it would be better off to bring in uh, Jack Driscoll. So I, I don't know. The thing we'll keep an eye on is how it affects Lane Johnson once he gets going and what his endurance level is going to be with the injury. But there's no question about his desire and his drive and his dedication to his team and teammates and his toughness.
Two last questions for you here, Merrill. Um, Merrill, you've you, you've you've been around the team going all the way back to the Vermeil days. So hundred. Um, tell me, prior to that too, right? Prior I, I, to that too. Okay. Okay. Well, let me ask you this: Why has it been such an emphasis for Jeffrey Laurie and who's ever been the jam, and it's Joe Banner or it's Ben Howie? to have such great offensive linemen. And I played against those 80 Eagle teams. And look, I love Dave Remington. He's a dear friend of mine. I love Ron Heller. He was a former teammate of mine with the Buccaneers. I mean, I, all those guys were fine ball players. But there was never – I mean, you got two Hall of Fame guys. A guy who played last night, who's playing for the Cowboys, played a ton of years also in – why has that been an emphasis with Howie and Joe Banner and Jeffrey Laurie to make sure that that position and that grouping has always had the best guys in the league? Because of the old adage, I hate to throw out a cliche, but you've heard it a lot and it's, and it's the truth. This game is won in the trenches and you've got to be able to run the ball and you've got to be able to stop the ball. And those are both products of the offensive and defensive lines. That's that's the very basic part. But you know what? And I give Jeffrey a lot of credit. He's a fabulous owner, and he lets his people do their jobs. And Howie's done a magnificent job. Executive of the year in 2017, probably will be again this year. But here's here's the interesting thing. Go back to that Dick Vermeil team. Uh, when I first stepped behind the play-by-play microphone, and he had a great offensive line, too. He had the the center was Guy Morris, who went on to become the head coach at the University of Kentucky and sadly passed away this year. The guards were Woody Peoples and a guy by the name of Petey Perot, who was tough, tough as nails. And the both tackles were Eagles now in the Eagles Hall of Fame. And they were great all pros. They made it to the Pro Bowl. Stan Walters who was my broadcast partner for 14 years. Wow. And, and Jerry Sizemore. Those were the you know, number one draft choice out of Texas. This, this was a very talented, talented uh, offensive line. They were, they were terrific. And then on defense, they had some great players too. I mean, this was prior to the Reggie White era under Buddy, but they had people on that line. Claude Humphrey, who is – All of Famer. Hall of Famer, Claude Humphrey, great one. Uh, they had Carl Hairston, another very talented defensive end. Dick used to call him Hurricane Hairston. Didn't I mean, he end up in San Francisco too? Didn't he go to the – I thought he ended up like after Philly. I thought he went to like the uh, 49ers. Cardinals. If my, Cardinals. I think he went to Arizona. Uh, they had a nose tackle by the name of Charlie Johnson who recently – Big Hands Johnson. Charlie Johnson, very, very tough. Very, very tough. I mean, they, they they had some people, too, on both the offensive and the defensive lines. But And they have the linebackers. They have Bill Berge. Love him. Bill Berge was, should be in the Hall of Fame. Bill he Berge. is one of my favorite childhood players of sure. all time. Sure. And, I, you know, I, I w- it's funny you mentioned him. It's funny we're even here that I told people. Someone goes, Seals, I know you wear a Jalen Hurts jersey underneath. I go, no, it would be more of a Bill Berge jersey. I'm more of that era kind of guy because I love that team, man. I love the fact that what – if I'm not mistaken, I thought he was a coach at Duke for a little bit too. 
thought he went. I thought he did some work at Duke. Who? Bill Berge. No, you know who you're confusing him or with? Or Carolina. No, you're you're confusing him with John Bunning. John Bunning, that's John right. Was John like, Bunning was good. And he became the head coach at his alma mater, North Carolina. That's right. And I think he still does some games uh, yeah. in the DC network. But he was he was the head coach at his alma mater, University of North Carolina. Uh, that's John Bunning. It was John Bunning on one side, uh, Bubba in the middle. That was Bill Berge. And on the other side was Frank Lemaster. And uh, then they had some other people who came in, but but this was a this was a ferocious defense. It really was. Hey, hey, Marilyn, how much is the relationship with you and the players changed? I mean, look look at what you're talking about. You're talking about you're talking about Bergy. Then you're talking about Seth Joyner. Now you're talking about T.J. Edwards. What has changed all these years for you, or has anything changed? When well, it the, comes to your relationships with these guys. Okay. The, the only difference is at that point in time, uh, they were contemporaries. I mean, we were all around the same age. So the players and their wives would come over to our house and Cindy would make dinner and we'd, we'd be invited to their family affairs. And the, our, our pilot, his name was Bob McGraw, had a farm. And the day after the season began that Monday, he'd have a big picnic on the, at the farm and all the players and their families and Cindy and I would go out there. So there was that social aspect. Now the difference is that, number one, we're not allowed, and, and I don't think anybody is uh, throughout the – I don't think this is different from team to team. You get to see the warm-ups at practice, and then they say, all right, uh, you know, media is off the field. So we're not at practice for the full session. I think that's a Patriots thing, Merrill. <laughs> well, maybe they started it. But it's, uh, the other thing is we're allowed in the locker room. We weren't for the past two years for the obvious pandemic reason. But we're allowed in the locker room. And also I do a show uh, every Tuesday night uh, from a different there's – a, there's a restaurant chain here, Chickies and Pete's, and uh, owned by Pete Shiraki, who's now got them in – quite a few NFL cities, but I, I do a show tonight from six to seven and I'll have players who want to come on the show and they'll, they'll be my guest. So I get to know them because I, I sit there and I chat with them for an hour and, and we become very friendly. So the only difference in the relationship now is that when they used to come to our homes because we were about the same age, now I play golf with some of them who uh, Jake Elliott is a great golfer he's a scratch handicap and Aaron Sipp is the punter. He can, he can hit the, hit the long ball and a lot of them. And, and I've gotten to be very friendly with Boston Scott. He's just, just the nicest, friendliest guy you'd ever want to meet. And um, I know Jalen Hurts. He's a very quiet guy, man of a few words, but he's, he's a classy individual. He's so dedicated to his profession. And that you, I, I'm going to make a statement to you. People always say to me, after all these years, and this is my 46, who was your favorite Eagle? And I can't say that because I've met so many great guys. I mean, I've worked for the last 25 years in the booth with six-time All-Pro Mike Quick, and there's nobody better. And Harold Carmichael. Harold often comes up and hangs out in the back of our booth during the game while Mike and I are broadcasting. So we're, we're all good friends. But I will tell you one thing. I have never. Whoops! I have never in my life, in any walk of life, connected with broadcasting or 
connected with just daily life, met a nicer human being than Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham, if you bump into Brandon Graham in the hall, your day just got better. If, if that big guy, number 55, comes over, he'll see you. He'll come over and give you a hug. You talk for a few minutes. Your day just got better because that's how the that's how he affects everybody. He he brings happiness to everybody he meets, and he's involved in all the charities. He's the Eagles nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year. You'll never meet a nicer human being in your life than BG. You know what's funny, Merrill? You're meant you're kind of mentioning and. I was very close to, obviously, to Jerome, and I got to be friends, very good friends, with Reggie and his wife. That sounds like how Reggie, I mean, it sounds like he's got a little Reggie White in him because if you were ever around Reggie White, you're yeah. going to get a sermon first. And then secondly, you know, I mean, you, he, he's one of the most soft-spoken people you've ever met in your life and one of the most destructive human beings you've ever seen on a football field. And that kind of reminds me a little bit. So he's got a little bit of Reggie White in him. Did I ever, did I ever tell you my no you, well, please my, my Jerome Brown story? No. So I did the Monday night show then from a, a now defunct restaurant called the Broadway, the Broadway Restaurant and Deli at the Bellevue Hotel. And one week I had asked Jerome to come down. And the player could order dinner there or something at home. So we finished the show and. It's a Monday night, and Jerome goes over. He did the show, and he goes over to the counter. He says, I'll have three corned beef, two roast beef sandwiches, and a tuna salad. So I said, oh, you're having some friends over? He said, no, this is for me. <laughs> this is Monday night snack for Monday night football. That Jerome was hysterical. Hey, 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 Merrill, one, one quick story here, too. So Buddy comes down to see... And believe it or not, him and Jimmy, and I've posted this picture of me, Jerome, and um, Buddy Ryan. And he came down to the University of Miami practice. Him and Jimmy Johnson were friends then. And this was his first year in 86. So they both on the state. Oh, he came, he came down and he was talking about the 46, but yet he was going to revamp the 46 in Philly because he had a whole bunch of new players. So anyway, so he goes, I'm going to take you two guys out to lunch. So I go with where it's me, Jimmy Johnson. Buddy Ryan and Jerome and Norman Brayman. Norman Brayman down in South Florida because, you know, he owns the Cadillac dealership and he owned the Eagles at the time. Sure. We all knew Jerome was going to the Eagles. Norman Brayman looks over at him. He goes, we're going to draft you. Uh, we're going to – and Buddy Ryan goes, if you're there, we're going to draft you. And we knew in 86 when he was the ninth player taken that if Jerome was on the board, sure enough, man – Norman Brayman comes over to the complex and tells me, and goes, did I not tell you we were going to draft Jerome Brown? We knew right then and there. And when Buddy, Buddy goes, Buddy knew in 86, his senior year, he was taking Jerome Brown. Yeah, I believe that. The, the thing about Reggie, Reggie and Jerome were great friends, but Reggie was the, the man of the cloth, you know, the minister of defense. And Jerome's mouth and vocabulary was not fit for – for uh, it was not PG, and every time Reggie would get mad at Jerome for using bad language, when Jerome turned his back, Reggie would take Jerome's street pants off of the out of the locker and tie them in knots around the locker post, and Jerome couldn't get his pants off. He could he'd be struggling with the knots while cursing out Reggie, but they were 
they were a show unto themselves. Do you agree, Merrill, that that football team was maybe the most charismatic football team in Eagle history? Counting the head coach? <laughs> including, the <laughs> including the head coach. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what? I, I, I'll give you one quick, since we're, we're on, I, I'll give you one quick Buddy Ryan story. There was an uh, offensive lineman named Kenny Reeves, and one summer he had appendicitis and missed training camp. And the next summer he had a high ankle sprain and missed part of training camp. So the day that Kenny Reeves was cleared to play and go back to camp, Buddy said him, Buddy traded him. So, and I had a great relationship with Buddy. And I went over to Buddy and said, why did you trade Kenny Reeves? He's a good player. Buddy said, he's always injured. I said, wait a minute, Buddy. Appendicitis and a high brain are unrelated. And Buddy said, let me tell you something. If a cow has a calf and that calf goes across the barbed wire fence and gets struck dead by a 12-wheeler by a and that calf that cow has another calf, and that calf gets struck dead by lightning some stormy night. You shoot the blankety blank cow. <laughs> we are going to leave it on that, Merrill. Have a great call on Saturday. <laughs> hey, Merrill, you've covered them all, dude. <laughs> I, I, I have, Dan. You've covered them all. Have a great call, Merrill. Thank you. You bet our legendary friend, Merrill Reese, man. That was a great one, man. That was absolutely fantastic going down that line like that. Man, that football team was so charismatic, man. That that old school Eagles team, man. Many of those guys. Keith Byers, we've had him on our show. I'm trying to get Keith Jackson on. I've known Keith Jackson since we made an All-American team in 85. And I'm, I'm trying to get his ass on. He was, it was Jerome, Keith Byers, Keith Jackson, all in the same room in Philly. And they all lived in Philadelphia during the season. And Jerome would have a place in Philly and a place in Brooksville because he's, he's from Brooksville. And he would come up. And by the way, here's something else cool. So he would go, hey, we're going to Wildwood. I go, why Wildwood, New Jersey? He goes, nickel beer night. I go, what? He goes, dude, you can get effed up on 10 bucks, all of us. I'm like, Jerome, you're the ninth player taken in the draft. I'm the 50th player taken in the draft. I got some money now. I mean, I got a little bucks in me. So I get, I get in a car. I drive down, and I meet these guys. There's Keith Byers. There's Keith Byers, Keith Jackson, Jerome Brown, and myself. And we're at, the, we're at, we're at Nickel Beer Night in Wildwood, and we're there – all weekend long. What a great time, man. Those guys were fantastic. Just a fantastic time. Shoot the effing cow. Buddy goes up the damn thing struck by lightning or it jumps a fence. Shoot the damn cow. <laughs> dude, I love me, Buddy Ryan, man. I met that man and, dude, the first time I met him was a good one. The second time, I don't know, man. <laughs> Jerome was the sixth player drafted overall. I thought he was the ninth player taken. thought he was the ninth. Uh, Alonzo was the third player taken that year. Vinny was – hey, I know this goes back a little bit here, but my group, 
Um, I was the 56th player taken, but I came out as a junior. Um, Vinny was one overall. Highsmith was three. And you're saying Jerome was sixth? Um, I think Winston Moss was 32nd. Rakosi was 33. And I was like somewhere after that. So I think Stubbs was 30. No, that was next year. We had a bunch of guys. I think we had four guys in the first round that year. We had four dudes in the first round or something. And Jerome and I were the highest drafted combo tackles in college football history at the time. The, the uh, sixth pick and the 56th pick. Um, our, the two DTs that, uh, that uh, Jimmy had were drafted like in the first three rounds. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy talent that he had down there. And that's why Buddy went down there. He used to come down all the time. He came down in 86 and 87 to watch our practices and to see what we were doing. And he implemented stuff. And we did too from him. We, we, we'd we ran those Miami defenses like the Eagle ran their defenses and the Chicago Bears ran their defense because of the way Buddy Ryan put it together. Jerome was the ninth pick. I thought he was. I thought he was the ninth pick. I don't think he was the sixth pick. Eric Allen does belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right. Let me ask you this question as we get to the top of the hour. Got a ton, of, ton more topics. And by the way, I want, I want to rank the quarterbacks by success that are left in the postseason. I want to make a point to you here. It's not shade. It's a point. Um, what has been the difference with this giant team that the Eagles will play on Saturday night? What's been the difference? Now, I want to tell you something. You want to hear something crazy? How many people think the Giants are playing really good football going into the postseason? They are 3-5-1. and one. In the last nine games, the Giants are 3-5-1. and one. Now, the Eagles are 2-2 two and two in the last month of the season. So, you know, both teams have not played the greatest. Now, the playoff game against Minnesota was spectacular was spectacular, but it was the Vikings. We all knew here, how many people, even I said it to you, I think the Vikings, every time, remember how I would keep them in my, my, lower, my lower 10 for the best teams in the NFL? I never really propped them up because I didn't believe in, I didn't have the belief that they could go into a significant game and win. And sure enough, better coaching beat that talent. Isn't that crazy? Better coaching. This is going to play into Saturday night. Who had the better talent? Minnesota. I couldn't tell you who the giant wideouts were. I couldn't tell you. Minnesota had the better talent. But what won? Better coaching. The giant coaching and Daniel Jones won that game against Minnesota. Against They were inferior talent. What's been the difference with this giant team from what we've seen the last month of the season? I saw somebody say confidence. Um, by the way, Arthur, Daniel Jones is playing playoff football for the last three weeks. Jalen hasn't. Jalen hasn't. He hasn't been playing. Last month, um, I thought he was good in an injury situation in Chicago. I did. I had no problem with the way he played in Chicago. I mean, if you guys remember that Monday, I wasn't throwing shade on Jalen. 
I knew Jalen got hurt. I said it. I go, that's the first time I've seen Jalen Hurt get hit by big people. And I blame the coaching staff for that. Daniel Jones has been absolutely playing great ball. So much so, Xander and I were talking about this prior to going on the air. Dude, the Giants now have to pay the guy either $45 million, $46.3 million with the franchise tag, or you got to come up with something different because they, they passed on that 50-year option. And you got to now deal with that. <laughs> you got to now deal with that. That's pretty crazy. Daniel Jones, who would you rather be right now, Daniel Jones or Lamar Jackson? Daniel Jones won a playoff game, a significant playoff game against the third seed in the NFC on the road. The Giants hadn't had a playoff win since the 2011 Super Bowl. And he looked, I don't know, man. I can't, what has been the difference? It's got to be the coaching. Somebody said confidence. Okay. How'd you get so confident? The Eagles destroyed you. Where did you get that confidence from? The RPOs. Stolen from Philly. I think he's got something to that. I think you're, I don't, hey, Rock, I don't think you're off. There's two teams that I think started stealing shit from the Eagles. The Bears and the Giants. Let me, let me, let me go here. I think after, the greatest thing ever happened to the Giants was the Eagles kicking the shit out of them. And they didn't, didn't the Eagles run for like 290 some odd yards against the Giants in that game? Okay. Didn't, 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 didn't they run for like 290 yards in that game? Okay. Watching Jalen Hurts run and throw. I think Brian Dable went like this, dude, we got to use Daniel Jones and we've got to, we, we, we've got to utilize this guy's mobility or he'll never play in this league. He's a dual threat guy too. He's a dual threat guy. However, the difference in this dual threat guy compared to Jalen, Brian Dable was the guy that developed Josh Allen. So are we looking at the next Josh Allen in New York? Brian Dable has to be thinking the same thing. You notice he didn't get too ahead. The reporters were asking him, man, how impressed were you with Daniel Jones's performance? You know what Brian Dable said? He played really good. He played really great. Um, he made some really good decisions. And it's a really great, great, great first step for him in doing what we have to do here to continue to win games. I was like this, not a raving review. That's a guy keeping it centered. That's a guy keeping it centered. Not going nuts like Nick Sirianni will. Telling you how great this guy is and how great this guy. Brian Dable's not coaching Daniel Jones that way. Go back and watch the post-game comments. They were trying to get Brian. Everybody has been impressed with Daniel Jones except Brian Dable. You know why? It's expected with him. It's expected. Yeah, he played really well. He did the things we needed to do to win. He showed he made the right decisions. And what was the most important thing he said? He didn't turn the ball over. 
That's a key thing that Jalen does better than Josh Allen and every other elite quarterback. Do you know where Jalen Hurts is elite over Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert? You know what his eliteness is? Protecting the football. He protects the football and doesn't make the high turnover play. All of those other guys, their coordinators and head coaches want those guys to have higher turnover plays. I mean, I, what was my criticism yesterday of Josh Allen? My criticism yesterday, holding the ball out like this when you're running down the sideline, and when you're in the pocket and you get strip sacked like that, that's Carson Wentz shit. you got to clean that up, kid. You're too talented for that. And I said this too to you. Do you understand that that Bills and Bengals game would have been a non-factor if Josh Allen had protected the football against the Vikings on the goal line where he fumbled it, Vikings get the ball taken in and they win that game? It would have been a non-factor. Hey, he's still 14-3, and but that's a significant F-up that could cost them the Super Bowl. You'll look back on that Viking game in Buffalo where you drop that ball on the goal line. Vikings get it, take it in, and you lose. Believe me, that's my ass with Allen. Is that game right there? That game, because home field advantage. Jalen, all the things he's done this year, the one thing Jalen did that was the most important thing that Jalen did was get home field advantage. I don't give a shit about the record. I care more about the fact they got the bye. Okay? They got the bye. And and to me, the difference with the Giants is that the players have all bought in. Brian Dable's the best coach in the NFC East. And it's not close. I don't care what anybody says. Sirianni staff. Here's Shane Steichen's offensive theory and how he thinks as an offensive coordinator. Jalen, here's the pass play. If it's not there, run. That's not coordinating. That's a he's 50% involved in the play and any sequence when you have a drive. Most of the time, Jalen Hurts is making the option because it's RPO. It's really Jalen Hurts as the offensive. Jalen Hurts is the offensive coordinator. Not Shane Steichen. All right. So much to hit on. We are going to rank the final eight teams. We're at the Elite Eight now. The Elite Eight teams in the NFL, the most successful quarterbacks in the postseason. These are also the eight elite quarterbacks that are left. We've got that ranking. Ton of stuff, man. What's next for Tom Brady? All that stuff, man. Shitload of stuff to hit on. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. 
the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Please hit the like button. We're going to get also to the schedule and take a look at preview some of these games that are going to be played Saturday and Sunday. Um, how funny is it to listen to Jim Harbaugh pretending that he was going to take an NFL job? His ego's too big for the NFL. He's, but but here's the thing: he'll never win a national championship ever in his career at Michigan. 
Michigan's not a national championship power. They're not. Michigan is not a national power. They're a great program. They're not a national power. They have no chance. They're Notre Dame. There is no chance that Michigan will ever win a national championship. That's why it's a cake ride $10 million a year. All Jim Harbaugh has to do is win a Big Ten title, get to the semifinal, get destroyed again, and you don't have to worry about it. Michigan has won a half of a title. And it was voted on in the 90s. They shared it. They've had a half title and only a half title in the last 75 years. Where do people think Michigan is a national power? Prove it to me. Show me. Where that program, even Bo Schembechler, never won a national championship. Michigan is not a national power. Why is that? Because of the requirements and admissions. Places like Stanford, Michigan, Notre Dame, you're never winning there. They, their, their education matters at those places. Never going to win a national championship. Never happened. You know, so it's a cakewalk. He's going to make $10, $12 million at Michigan for going 11-1 and one every year. Okay. So you want to go to Denver. And, and, and by the way, I love how Denver still thinks they're getting Sean Payton. You don't have first-round draft choices to get Sean Payton. You don't have first-round draft choices. So you you have no say, Sean Payton, on where... Isn't it kind of crazy how Fox and everybody is propping Sean Payton up like he has say where he can coach? Mickey Loomis has made it very clear he wants a John Gruden deal for him. Do you know what that was? It was like three ones, a couple twos and threes. You think this is just going to be some draft pick for Sean Payton? Not happening. The Saints own him. They have no say. Sean Payton's people, they have no say in where he play or where he coaches. None. Now, the Benson family and Mickey Loomis like Sean, but bro, the Eagles are forcing the hand of the Saints. Why? Because Mickey Loomis gave that first round away. It's the 10th pick in the draft. So let me get this right. Mickey Loomis is going to let go of C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He's going to let go of the first-round pick that he gave to the Eagles, and he's going to let Sean Payton leave for a fifth-rounder. He'll be fired by midnight. Be fired by midnight. You gave the Eagles a one. You let go of C.J., and now you're going to let go of Sean Payton for... A bag of Skittles? What kind of general manager are you? No wonder you didn't have a quarterback plan after Drew Brees. Most teams don't. I, I, I love how, well, he's interviewing for the Texans job. You know why he interviewed for the Texans job? Why do you think he interviewed for the Texans job? Because they got all the Cleveland Brown picks. Sean knows he's got to go to places that got draft choices. I guarantee you the only place that Sean Payton is going to coach in the NFL 
is Houston with the McNair family. The Dolphins don't have first-round picks. They, they traded him to Kansas City for Tyreek Hill. He ain't going to Miami. He ain't going to... Dude, it's crazy. Where do you think Sean... P- Sean Payton, well, he'll go to Denver. Denver's got no ones. <laughs> well, he'll, he'll interview for this job. No, he won't. Do you understand that that's why the Chargers didn't move off of Brandon Staley? They're not ripping their team apart. And Tom Telesco and that organization runs the Chargers the same way the Eagles do from the front office. They're not giving first-round draft choices up for Sean Payton. And the guy only makes $5.5 million. They're not going to pay him for the next three years and hire Sean Payton and give up first-round picks. This is not going to be that easy to move Sean Payton. Because if you look at Arizona, why would Arizona in a million years bring in Sean Payton? Why? To lose more draft choices. And it's being reported you're moving DeAndre Hopkins. I'm hearing the Giants. You want to hear this? I'm hearing DeAndre Hopkins to the Giants in the offseason so that Daniel Jones has a top flight wideout. You imagine Daniel Jones with his A.J. Brown? Daniel Jones has made it now where the Giants are talking about acquiring DeAndre Hopkins. Jerry Jones doesn't have the money, Sean, or they would have got Brandon Cooks. He doesn't have the money. Odell Beckham? Dude, he's not getting that contract that he wanted. You know why? Because the Cowboys leaked it. His knee's not structurally sound. Now, maybe that improves in the offseason. He's going to have a tough time finding a spot. He's never going to get one money again. He's not. And they're not going to, and no NFL team's going to pay him because he's a social media darling. Dude, can you imagine this? So you have Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Andre Hopkins in the same division, and you have CD Lamb. I'll tell you what, man, you got some pretty big wideouts in that division if Hopkins lands in New York with the Giants. DeAndre Hopkins is clearly one of the top three wide receivers in the National Football League. He's one of the best third-down wideouts there is in the game. Every time DeAndre Hopkins catches the football, I never see him come up short on a first down. Hopkins to New York. God, think about that. People were talking about the the Giants aren't going to bring in Derek Carr. They're not. They're not. My opinion, Derek Carr should go to the Bucks. Or remember what Big Sill said? Xander, you guys remember? Jimmy Garoppolo to the Buccaneers. What happens if that thing comes through? Did you see Jimmy Garoppolo in Tampa? If Brady goes to Vegas? Dick Cilio guy, he didn't get it right. Don Yee is his agent too. If Brady leaves Tampa, Garoppolo's landing spot is Tampa. 
Where else would he go? The Jets, maybe. Maybe the Jets. But I see Derek Carr in New York. I could see Joe Douglas swinging the Jets and the Raider deal to bring Derek Carr to New York. Because you know why? Here's the one thing the Jets don't have. Bro, you got to beat Josh Allen. You got to beat Josh Allen in the AFC East. And the dude you have right now, Zach Wilson, ain't cutting it. Mac Jones, hey, if I'm if I'm the Patriots, I'm also looking at Derek Carr. You got to figure a way to beat Josh Allen. And the quarterbacks that are in that division, they ain't there. They ain't there. Okay? You see, the Cowboys now are in their... They're excited on what they saw with Dak last night. Because Jalen was pulling away, wasn't he? Hertz was pulling away as the best quarterback in the East. There's hope now in Dallas. Here's My take is this. I want to see it against San Francisco. I want to see it against San Francisco. Okay? I want to see it in San Francisco. Um, somebody said I could see Carr in Indy. What equity do they have? What possible equity does Indianapolis have um, to get David Carr or Derek Carr? What equity do they have? Carr to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers ain't going anywhere. He's got $61 million owed to him this year. Come on, man. Nobody's leaving $60 million on the table. Philly goes, Hurts is the best in the East. Let's look at that. Thank you, Philly D. Thank you. Hey, car to Baltimore? How about this one, Dank? If you're the Miami Dolphins, you don't have a first-round pick. You send Tua Tagovailoa to Baltimore. A future one and some twos for Lamar Jackson. Would you do it? Lamar's out in Baltimore. He ain't staying. He's not staying in Baltimore. And some, I, I, I was talking to D Gunn about this earlier. D Gunn goes, I want no part of Tua. Well, what's your option? Snoop? Tyler Hunley? What's your option? Derek Carr, at least Tua kind of gives you a bridge because he's still on a rookie contract to find your guy. And you got draft choices. And you're going to get a one for the following year. You know, Ozzie Newsom is not out of that organization yet. Okay? He's not out of that organization. Okay? Okay? Brady to Tampa, stay close to kids. You mean to Miami? Um, Here's what I say to that, Xander. Guy blew his family up and his marriage up so he could play football this year. You think the Miami thing, being close to his kids, matters? No disrespect to Tom Brady, but I don't think his kids factor in this decision. He blew his family up, his marriage up. I mean, his kids... You think that's really a determining factor? I don't. 
See, Brady chases success, and it's a disease he has. He can't get rid of it. And many of these guys, why do you guys think that boxers stay until they get knocked the F out, and you're watching Ali sitting on a stool, and Parkinson's disease sets in, or you watch these old aging boxers? The last thing to go on an athlete is his heart. His ability has left him 10 years earlier. The last thing to leave, like Michael Jordan playing with the Wizards. Michael Jordan had the same heart when he was with the Wizards that he did when he was playing with the Bulls. But at the end of the day, man, your heart is the last thing to go because you have to have passion and love for what you do. Okay? It's, it's all about, you know, chasing it and loving it and committed to it and rowing out the sea with one oar in your, in your boat, all that shit. Brady's kids. I don't think it's a factor. I think it's good for the media and good for snowflake people to hear that. Yeah, man, I want to be close to my kids. Yeah, so you don't rip them for being a guy who's centric and egotistical and self-centered. People who are self-centered and people who are worried about how you perceive them talk like that. People who don't give a shit, like Elon Musk, they don't care what you think about how he handles his kids or how you think of him. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about how you see him. Those are people with FU money and an FU attitude. You know those guys when you see them, and that's why we hate those guys. And that's why we step on guys like that. Because we wish we could do that too. Those are the people we want to be when we grow up. The guys who just look at you and go, <laughs> here, you want me to tell you it's for my kids? Sure. Makes you feel better. See, people don't like hearing this. It's true. Closer to his kids. Yeah, man. That's a good front page headline. All right, here are the quarterbacks with the most playoff success. The final eight. Here are your quarterback. The quarterback with the least amount of success in the postseason is Jalen Hurts at eight. Next. Trevor Lawrence at seven. Six, Daniel Jones. Five, Brock Purdy. Four, Dak Prescott. Three, Josh Allen. Two, Joe Burrow. And number one, with the most experience in the postseason of the final eight quarterbacks, is Patrick Mahomes. So here is your eight. Going from best to worst. Mahomes one. Burrow two. Allen three. Dak four. Purdy five. Daniel Jones, six. Trevor Lawrence, seven. And pulling up the rear, 
Philly's own Jalen Hurts. These are by resumes, not by opinion. Well, these are the worst to the best. Now, what quarterback is more likely to change his resume? That's by wins? No, not just by wins. Josh Allen has 17 touchdowns and three interceptions in five postseason games, and he's three and two. What are you talking about? And he's third. Excuse me. I've got the stats in front of me here. Throw it out there. Hurts is the only one without a win on this list of the final eight quarterbacks. Damn! How's that possible? He's 13 or 14 or whatever the hell he is. These are from top to bottom by success. Right. There you go. See, Joshua just got it. This isn't about who's better. This is about who's done the most in the postseason so far. And all the rest of these guys have won games except your boy. That's it. I didn't say these guys were better. You took it there. You put that narrative around this list. I didn't. I just said these are the most successful quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs. And you went to the point where you changed the narrative on what I said. That is not what I said. Dan, only having to play the Giants to get in. That's not the point. That's not the point. Nobody thought Daniel Jones was going to go and play like that. Daniel Jones was a superstar in that game against Minnesota. I don't care who your opponent is. Tom Brady looked like shit against a Dallas Cowboy team that I'm not sold on. So what should I make from that? Dak is superstar, and he has now going to take the quarterback reign again on being Dakota Rain Prescott, and he's the guy. I'm not there. I'm not there with him. <laughs> Do you understand that I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's like Dak's second playoff win. I'm not there with him. I'm not there with him. Here's the point. Jalen, we don't know if he's going to play well. We have no idea. I don't. I'm going by resumes. Jalen hasn't played in the playoffs this year because he put his team in a position. Great. Fantastic. We shall see. You don't get credit for that. You get credit when you build your legacy by playing. <laughs> you, can, you can form this any way you want. I never said who's better. I said who's won more and who's performed better in the postseason. And once again, you don't like it when Big Sills brings up 
a person's resume. And what you try to do is shit on, and this is standard, somebody said this yesterday, you shit on others to elevate your guy. Well, your guy can't be elevated here until he wins. Jalen Hurts hasn't won a significant ball game in Philadelphia outside of the final game of the season against the JV Giants. That's it. Significant games are playoff games. Cowboy games. Those are significant games. Jalen has two years, my friend. Maniac, hey, Big Seals, if you... Uh, dang it, I, I, re, repost that, Maniac. Jalen wants big money. He better play big in these playoff games. James, that's what Daniel Jones has done. Daniel Jones has put himself in a position to make the Giants have to make a pretty significant move. East Candom, look what look at what he did. That means nothing Saturday night. Nothing. That means nothing Saturday night. Nothing. If they get bounced again and he plays like shit, good luck paying him. Hey, Big Sills, if you pray, can you just pray tonight real quick for my dad? His name is Mark, and he's having stage three oral. Of course, dude. Maniac. Of course. You know I'm a man of God. I think Hertz wants to win more than the money. Yale. Yale. <laughs> Yale. Yale. We're talking about a quarter of a billion dollars. Okay? We're talking about a quarter of a billion dollars. Okay? Don't ever just go, well, you know, I think he wants to win more than the money. Dude, that's high school shit. <laughs> this is big league ball here, man. This is a quarter of a billion dollars. Okay? Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> if he loses, his rep is trashed. Yeah, because all those things that that one guy said, 14-1, and one, um, the, the, the NFL quarterback of the century and the quarterback of the month and all that other shit won't mean dick. <laughs> it won't mean anything. Whoa, 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 whoa. Big Seals comparing Dimes Jones to all pro, all pro. <laughs> that's right. Joe Burrow didn't make it. He's not better than Joe. Oh, good. Good for your all pro. Uh, that's great. That's a great title. Good for you. Good title. Great title. Dimes Jones has won a playoff game. Your guy hasn't. I didn't compare him. You are. I'm not comparing. I'm giving you factual facts on people who have had success in the postseason. I never said who's better. You did. I said it for the fourth time now. I never said Dimes Jones is better. I said Dimes Jones has had more success than your guy. Factual. No other way around it. Which means, let's see what he does in his second playoff game. Because his first one was horrible. Facts. Facts. <laughs> and by the way, some of you folks should be demanding this. You want Donovan McNabb again? Or are you comfortable with Donovan McNabb? 
Dude, don't ever settle for a guy like that. Settle for somebody who wants, and I believe he's, I believe that he's a better quarterback talent than McNabb. I think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback talent, and I would rather have Jalen Hurts as my quarterback than Donovan McNabb anytime, any day, any day of the week, any month, any year. I don't care what it is. I would never want Donovan McNabb as my quarterback, ever. He's a loser. What's that Skip Bayless line? No championship, Gene. He's got it in spades. <laughs> Did the Giants really change week since week 14? 85? I can't figure it out. I That team that I saw them pay, play, Minnesota, I didn't recognize it. I don't know. Remember what I said yesterday, 85? I want to see him do it again against the Eagles on Saturday night. I don't, I don't know. I've never seen a transformation. It was almost like they've had a lobotomy or something. I've never seen anything like that. Okay? Yeah. McNabb had a better arm. Jalen's a better quarterback. Then again, Aaron Rodgers had a better arm than Tom Brady. Brady's a better quarterback. Happens. Yeah, McNabb had a better arm. Jalen's a better quarterback. Brady's a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a better talent. Who's had the most success? Once again, resumes. And legacies matter in the postseason. That's my take. It's not an off take. Jalen has no legacy so far in Philadelphia. Nothing. He's built nothing. Shit, man. Actually, Wentz has more of a legacy than Jalen Hurts right now. First three years in the league, I would take Wentz's resume. Wentz helped the team win a Super Bowl. Wentz was in the conversation just like Jalen was for MVP. Both guys in the first three years, I don't know. One guy threw for the NFL leading touchdown passes, threw 33 passes. I mean, in the first three years, Wentz had more success than Jalen did. His team actually won a Super Bowl. We'll see if Jalen does. Philadelphia has never had a quarterback lead a team to the Super Bowl and win it. The only quarterback that's ever led a team to the Super Bowl is Ben Jaworski and, and McNabb. And McNabb. And McNabb. Oh, Tank, people don't like when you start throwing facts. Because remember something, facts are controversial. People like to be lied to. Remember that. McNabb's the best quarterback in Eagle history. Petty and a loser. <laughs> Petty and a loser. Taking shots at D-Jax because he was the first player in the history of the Pro Bowl to make it as a kick returner and a wide receiver. And he's going around the Pro Bowl telling everybody that Deshaun Jackson should have never been named that. Dude, you should be rooting for your guy instead of shitting on your guy. Terrible teammate. And everyone, all of you blame T.O., T.O. was right. The guy's a loser. See, the problem with T.O. is he can't keep his emotions um, in his holster. That's his problem. Can't keep it in his holster. He spits stupid shit out, too. 
Jaws was great. Cunningham was better than McNabb? No question. Randall was a great player. He just had shit players on offense and the offensive line around him. Keith Jackson and Byers and them dudes were good players, man. They were good. They were good ball players. I think Urban Fryer was there too. They, they were good skilled guys on that team. They just didn't have the old line to keep the Giants and the Redskins off them. Got to remember during that time, Washington was good. New York was good. Dallas starting to become better because of Jimmy and Philly just didn't have the horses in the old line. Just didn't have the horses, man. And those other three teams in the division had the better old lines. Dallas's old line, Washington's line, the Giants' old line with Jumbo Elliott and them dudes. They were good old lines back in them days, man. Wasn't really built any. It was built in the D-line and O-lines back in the 80s and 90s in the NFC East. And coaching, too. That's right, Brian. Dude, Parcells and Gibbs. Look at the coaches you had. You had Parcells, Gibbs, Jimmy Johnson, and Buddy. Dude, that's some division. And you had Reggie in the division. And you had the back end of LT's career. Come on, man. That's why they called it the Tiffany division. Okay? That division was exceptional. Yeah, that's right. East Candom. Randall was a... If Randall played in today's NFL, he'd be Patrick Mahomes. If Randall Cunningham played in today's National Football League, and if Randall had this talent that is on the 2022 team, he throw for 50 touchdowns too. Patrick Mahomes is Randall Cunningham. Patrick, Randy White, that's right. He was a Patrick Mahomes that you see today playing like that. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, Randall Cunningham was that before it was fashionable to move around like that. And nobody knew how to build a team around Randall. That's why he got hurt. All of a sudden, you're watching Randall run around that Monday night game against the Giants, and you're watching him like a contortionist and like a Gumby doll moving around. I can't tell you how many times teams, I was in the league then, everyone's playing it back going, what in the world is this? Randall Cunningham was so far ahead of his time, it's a shame. Guy should slap his mom for having him too soon. (laughs) Because, dude, he'd be making $500 million. Five hundred million dollars, dude. Randall was a great ball player. Just a great ball player, man. I mean, seriously, and and I do. When I watch Patrick Mahomes play, guys, I go like this. Well, that's my wife says it. My wife goes, "That's Randall." I go right. I go if I brought Randall Cunningham up, nobody would know who he is. Only Eagle fans would know. He was so good, man. And now that you couldn't hit the quarterbacks like you could back then, man, Randall would throw for 50 touchdowns. If he had the O-line he had today, then, good grief. Okay, good grief. Rich Kotai. You know, he did win games. Okay, he did win games. Uh, Waters, that stuff was a little bit 80s and 90s. They're a little too early. Man, Randall was so good, man. Dude, he could throw the ball. Yeah, that's right, Yale. He could throw the ball 100 yards. He was a punter in college. You know, he made the All-American team 
and he was a unanimous All-American. He was so good of an athlete. Randall Cunningham is the first All-American as a punter. As a punter. Randall is a first-team All-American as a punter. He was the best punter in the country at UNLV. <laughs> dual threat? Okay. <laughs> Dude, dual threat? This guy, Sammy Ball. Sammy Ball did that shit. Okay? Sammy Ball did that. He punted, quarterbacked. Sammy played DB. Randall was so good, man. Danny White also punted at Arizona State. And with the, um, and with the Cowboys. He was the Cowboys punter. That's right. Hey, by the way, do you know that always saved Tom Landry an extra roster spot? Because the backup quarterback was also the punter. And so you didn't have to pay and you didn't have to use a, um, a roster spot for a punter. And you didn't have to pay the punter. So the Cowboys always got away for like 15 years, Danny White punting. And I think they took that away when Danny became the starting quarterback when Stallback retired. They had the roster spot, and they didn't have to pay Danny White. Or they didn't have to pay a punter. Cowboys always had an extra roster spot. And everybody kept saying, man, the Cowboys look like they got a ton of guys on there. There was only one extra guy. And he was good. Randall was a great player. in. Um, I, I think he was a better passer of the football in Minnesota because of Brian Billick. I do. But, you know, when you have Chris Carter and Randy Moss, that might help too, dog. <laughs> I mean, you got two Hall of Fame wideouts, plus the tight end wasn't bad in Minnesota. That team that got beat by Atlanta in the NFC Championship game, in my opinion, is one of the biggest letdown teams of all time. That team, I think they lost one game in the regular season. I think they lost one game in the regular season, and they got beat in the NFC Championship game by the Atlanta Falcons and Dan Reese's guys. I think, what was it? Was it Chris Chandler that was the quarterback of that team or some shit like that? And then they lost to Denver. I went to that Super Bowl, and I'm like, Minnesota should be here. How Minnesota? And then Brian Billick, the next year, got the job in Baltimore. Dennis Green was the head football coach in Minnesota. That team was really good. I think the kid, what was his name? Reed, the tight end? They had Reed and Moss and Chris Carter. Not Chris Carter, Philly. Chris Carter, Minnesota was spectacular. Um, yeah, the Dirty Birds beat him. That's right. That's exactly what happened there, man. Dude, Randall was so good. Randall, in my opinion, probably my favorite Eagle quarterback. Probably my favorite Eagle quarterback because today when I watch these guys like Josh Allen and the rest of these guys, I'm not sure they're better than him. Just a different era. If you can't hit Randall Cunningham, <laughs> you're not getting him on the ground. You won't get him on the ground. Like, honestly, guys, I know you guys love Jalen, but if you put Randall on this team, I don't know how you would beat them. I don't know how you would beat the Eagles. He's 6'5", sprinter speed, hurdled people, threw the ball 100 yards. I mean... You, when you got on a field with Randall Cunningham, it was like Bo Jackson. When you were on the field with Bo or Dion, you knew they were there. There was a 
there, there, there was an it fact. You're like, this guy, man, he's just making plays out of his ass. Okay? Man, was he good. Dude, man, what a... D- Jerome Brown used to always go like this to me, Sills. This guy, Randall Cunningham, he... The Philly media hated him, though, and they didn't understand him. Because, again, when, you, when you're when you a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s, and I tell people this, you know you know one of the reasons that Big Sills always got in trouble with talking race? Because I'm not afraid. Most kids who grew up in the 70s and 60s, like Jerome, they grew up with race. Like, look at Barry Bonds and uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Where did they grow up? They grew up in dugouts with their dads being racially profiled. That's all they knew. So if Bonds and Griffey Jr. have an attitude towards the media and how they covered their fathers, isn't that not expected? That's all they knew as kids. Bonds didn't know any other way on how they treated Bobby Bonds and his dad. Same thing with Griffey Sr. That's, they knew, that's why when Randall was younger and the Philly media would pile on him, he didn't get it. He thought it was racism. Some of it probably was. But if you grew up in that era, now, thank God, being a black quarterback is is not a thing anymore. Being a good quarterback is it. It should always be that. See, people take 5% of what I say sometimes and they'll dissect it. It's black. And then you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) Okay? Dude, Barry Bonds, the reason he hates the media because they treated his dad like shit. I talked to Bonds. Bonds used to come on my radio show in San Francisco. He goes, Sills, you know why I talked to you? He goes, you get this. Media hated my dad because they thought my dad was the angry black guy. I got a signed book by Bonds. Barry gave me a signed book. I never realized it until my daughter showed it to me that he signed it to me, to my friend Dan Silio. And he would come on my show and, and, dude, sometimes when I walk in the locker room, Barry didn't want any part of me. He didn't want any part of me. And Dusty Baker would go like this. Don't, don't, go, don't, don't. It's not going to work. He'll shit on you. So I'd sit there. He'd come over. He goes, I come in to come to my locker. I go, dude, you're not going to talk shit to me like you talk shit to Pedro. <laughs> you're not going to talk shit to me like you talk shit to Pedro Gomez. That's not going to work. And Pedro Gomez is my friend. And God rest his soul. <laughs> He goes, you know, Pedro? I go, yeah, you talk shit to him, too. He goes, yeah, but he can't take it. I go, I know, but I'm not going to sit here. Ah, different story. Different story. All good. Um, I want to hit on – I want I want to give you the rankings for the elite eight teams that are left in the playoffs. Do me a favor. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. little snippet of Merrill Reese and I and Merrill said that um, he said that Brandon Graham is the nicest player that he's ever met and Brandon Graham just acknowledged the video on my Twitter page at Dan Cilio show and I just told him that he got my vote for comeback player of the year and he did um, I think McCaffrey's gonna win it but he got my vote for it and I told him so um, I want to, I mean, I, I thank him for acknowledging Merrill saying those great things about him on a W. Yep. That's Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham just also liked that. I just told him that I just uh, voted for um, him for um, comeback player of the year. That's really nice. Thank you very much, Brandon. I appreciate it very much. The Eagles watched the show. You know this. They just acknowledged it twice. And um, I appreciate that. It means a lot. Because you talk about one of the really cool people um, that's on that organization. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
So Eagles watch the show. I told you this. Front office watches it. And by the way, Sirianni made it very clear today that I think he was talking to me, that he doesn't like the heat that Jonathan Gannon gets from people in the media. And I think he's aiming it at me because I'm the one that gives him the most shit. I would say Seth too. Okay? <laughs> Joseph, right on cue, baby. Why do the Eagles watch this show? The show sucks. Thank you. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Joseph, I suck. The show doesn't. Or is it the reverse? I forget. <laughs> I, I, I forget. Hey, man, that's really nice of Brandon Graham, though. They put a really nice um, – and, and they do a great job of it, too. They, Jacob guys put up a great uh, video. You suck. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> uh, thank, thank you, Eric. Thank you. Smack the, see, in total Philly style, look at Casey Jones. Okay, Sills. You know, you talk about people having to walk into the Novacare Center wearing knee pads. Take your Brandon Graham knee pads off now. You understand, you know, you can't get – Sills, don't get too comfortable here. That's what Xander does. What do you want, a cookie? <laughs> I, no. No. <clears throat> no. No. I just want to prove a point to you guys that they watch this show more than any show out there. What do you think? They're watching The Fanatic? Nobody watches that thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Watch this. Sorry. All right. <laughs> okay. Here are <laughs> here are the elite eight teams that are left in the playoffs heading into the weekend. Here are my elite eight teams. Here we go. Number eight, I got the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Doug's done a great job. I think they're limited a little bit in the secondary. Wide receivers, you know. Still a lot to be desired there. But I think that, hey, can the Jags beat the Chiefs this weekend? No. No. It's one thing to think they can. It's another thing to go, come on, Kansas City? Kansas City. Andy Reid is 6-1 and one in the playoffs off of buys. Come on. Okay? <laughs> okay? You throw four picks against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, he'll put 55 points on you. He'll put 55 points on you. I got the Giants at seven. Some of you are going to go, Sills. You've been really talking. Uh, yeah, well, I've also said this to you. Here's the reality of how I see these teams. I got the Giants at seven. I want to see them do it again. Against a football team that shows up for fights. Hey, would you guys agree with me on this? Minnesota doesn't show up for a fight. And if they do, they show up to have to fight. Philadelphia shows up to the fight every single every single game, except that stupid game at the end of the year. Okay. Okay? 
if hey Yale, if they do it again, I'm sold. The Giants are on some sort of Eli Manning deal. They beat the Eagles at home, and they upset them. Dimes Jones is going to be wealthy like nobody's business. But I don't believe they can. I want to see it again. I never bought Minnesota as a tough team. I never bought them as a guy. I always kept them down towards 10. Even with that record, I never bought into their record. Never bought into them. I got the Cowboys at six. Can I tell you when I see... Can I tell you, here's, here's my impression of the Dallas Cowboys. I think they're a little better than the Vikings. They're inconsistent. They constantly have penalties. And that game they played last night, would we not agree? How about this? When you look at the Cowboys, was that not the best postseason game the Cowboys have played in maybe 20 years? What? Is that the best game you've seen the Cowboys play in 20 years? I can't remember a game that they played better in than than that game yesterday and last night. I mean, maybe the divisional game against the Packers and the Des Bryant no-catch game with the referee. 30 years? Okay. That's the best I've seen. And you want me to turn around and go like this? Cowboys are world beaters. I am not there. I want to see them. You beat San Francisco? That's going to be one monster football game in Philadelphia if Philly gets by the Giants. And I think you are. I'm not saying you're not. I'm not saying you're not. Worried? Only be hey, dipping. Only because of Jalen's health, though, right? Only because of his health. At five, these are the Elite Eight teams. I have, I, I'm ranking them. At five, I got the Bengals. You know, Xander said something to me yesterday. He goes, Sills, how, how good do you think the, um, the Bengals played in that game against the Ravens? Hey, the Ravens don't turn the ball over? Punching it in and going in and taking the lead on the Bengals with, what, three minutes left in the game? That was the ball game. Ravens held them to low points. Defense scored the game-winning touchdown. It wasn't Burrow. He wasn't wasn't spectacular. I'm going to tell you this. The Baltimore Ravens, man, they punched that in. Tyler Hundley gets a victory, and they win. Without Lamar Jackson, I don't know, man. They were right there. They were right there. The Ravens blew that game. They could have beat Cincinnati and should have beat Cincinnati. Hey, and I, I'm gonna want to say one more thing about Lamar Jackson. Okay, I saw some of you say Sills, he's hurt. Okay, why wasn't he on the sideline then? You're telling me he couldn't help Lamar or uh, Lamar couldn't have helped Tyler Hunley through situations on the sidelines. It couldn't have been there for him. Jalen was there for Gardner Mitchell. Why wasn't Lamar Jackson on the sidelines with his teammates? Okay, why wasn't he on the sideline? Maybe he could have said something like this to Tyler Hundley. Hey, make sure you protect the foot. Or Josh Dobbs, whatever it was. Make, make, make sure um, make, make, make sure you protect the football. Don't you think that maybe Lamar would have went into him and told him that? 
hey, you got to make sure, man, because they're going to be fighting for the football down there at the goal line, and you're going to be going for that quarterback sneak. Yeah, I think he checked out too, dude. Business decision. You're not on the sideline for your guys? I can promise you this. If Jalen Hurts was hurt, he'd be on the sidelines for his Eagle teammates. That's almost a slam dunk. I've ranked the Elite Eight teams. Jags eight. Giants seven. Cowboys six. Cincinnati five. At four. I got the Bills. Got to clean up the turnovers. You got to clean up the turnovers. Um, Josh Allen, once again, I think he's a spectacular talent. However, he's got a little wince in him. Reckless with the ball security. The way he runs with it, gets slapped out of his hand. The strict, the, the uh, sack strip, dude, got to be better than that. I said this to you before, too. Dude, that game against Minnesota, you could have had home field advantage if you had ball security. That shit's on you. That's where Jalen's better than him. Jalen's not going to make a dumb play like that and turn the ball over with the goalpost shadow hanging over him. He's not doing that. Dude, punting is okay. Punting is a part of the game. Dude, you, you, you've got to protect the football. The Bills, if they don't clean that up, they will not win games to get to the Super Bowl. Can't do that. I got the Eagles at three, and here's why. Injuries. I want to see how they perform with Lane. Come, Lane's not 100%. There's no Avante Maddox. Miles is a little dinged up, and your quarterback is hurt. Do I think the quarterback is 95%? Probably. But here's something I'm going to tell you. I don't give a shit if Jalen's hurt. I don't care. This is playoffs. You could die another day. You can get your surgeries another day. This is it. You don't come out of games. You, you, you don't. As far as I'm concerned, Jalen Hurts is 100%. You've got to have 100% in your mind. Your body might not be, but you've got to feel you're 100%. And you've got to do whatever it takes. Cortisone shots, painkillers, Percocets, Percodans, and, and I don't care what it is. Ibuprofen 700, Take him. Let's go. And I think he's that guy. I think he and I think he's that guy. I get the Chiefs at two because of their quarterback. Chris Jones has had a great year on defense. Can I tell you where I think the issues are with the with the Chiefs, though? I would test that running game. I don't really think the Chiefs have a running game. And that secondary, I think the Eagles can beat the Chiefs. But I want to see how healthy Jalen is Saturday night. So I want to make I'm 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 not I'm not hedging my bets here. And I'm not waffling. 
But if the Eagles are more are, are healthy, they can beat the Chiefs. They can beat them. I got the 49ers number one. I believe Brock Purdy. It's just too much. You know, it's funny. When I watch Brock Purdy play and I watch that 49er team, remember something. The coach on the other side is up for coach of the year too. Pete Carroll's going to the Hall of Fame. Okay? He's going to the Hall of Fame. Yes, I think the Eagles can beat the Bills too. I think the Eagles can beat the 49ers. I think any of these top four teams, five teams, I think Cincinnati, the Bill. look, the Super Bowl is going to come out of this. In my opinion, the Super Bowl is going to come out of these five teams, 49ers, Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, and the Bengals. Okay? I think they're going to come out of this. Xander, do I have to take a time out here or am I on, am I on, am I on, um, am I, am I on pace here? Do I have to take a time out? I forgot. I, I look, I, I'm buying this kid Purdy. I'm buying him. Okay. I'm good with him. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll set it up again. Hour three, keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. 
Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game. Now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Football show. Just got a text message from Merrill Reese. And I guess some of the coaches have been watching the program. And he wanted me to be aware of that. And I'm going to thank the Eagle coaches for stepping in with us. Nick, I know that you and my boy Frank Reich are friends. I appreciate you. And I think you took a shot at me today at the press conference. But hey, what are Paisans for, right? <laughs> I don't hate you, Nick. Okay? There's somebody in your organization that I have an ass with, but other than that, we're good. And no, it's not Howie. Xander knows who it is. Okay? Because I randomly get text messages. How do you like my GM now? What do you think of my quarterback now? Hey, we watched you today. You weren't very high on Jordan Davis. And I said, well, I think the guys had a C effort this year. Tell them to stay out of White Castle and we'll see what happens next year. And um, a guy named Robert <laughs> was like, well, he's lost weight. I'm like, well, he sure don't play like it. How could you have a rookie who's 20 years old on a pitch count? I mean, he should be on a White Castle burger count. <laughs> I mean, I get Baird Brooks eating 30 White Castles or Big Sills. But when you're 20 years old, man, and it affects your playing time, you might want to try a salad, Hoss. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Dank. That's why Dank. Dank goes like this. You're reading Eagle chat saying this. Yeah, Dank. Big Sills doesn't hold punches. That's why when I was in Tampa, I had one of the highest rated shows in all of the East Coast. I did 15 shares. 
25-54, nobody. And I didn't get one eagle or a, cow, or a buccaneer on. And we were the flagship. Chilio's talking shit on the on um who was the GM? Who's the guy that goes on with Colin Coward? Who totally sucked as the general manager. What was that guy's name? He was 24 and 55 as GM. And he's a media guy. And he knows how to build a thing. What was his name? God, I forget that guy. What was his name? It just shows you. I, uh, who was the general manager of the Bucks during um after after Bruce Allen? He goes on with Coward, and this guy, I tell you, man, he and I used to bump heads. Not Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum was with the Jets, then the Dolphins. I'm talking in Tampa. Had a Mark Dominic. Mark Dominic was the general manager of the Buccaneers when I was on in Tampa. And by the way, guys. Big Sills was on 15 years there. You know how all these guys tell you that I was fired? I was never fired in San Diego. I mean, I was fired in Tampa, but then I had a job 10 days later in Miami. 10 days later, I had a job. The market manager in Philadelphia hired me in Miami 10 days later. I wasn't out of work for 10 days. <laughs> 10 days. Yeah, for Aaron, that whole thing with uh, the monkey thing. Ten days later, I was hired by the guy who hires people in Philly now. Shows you it wasn't real. Anyway, so Mark Dominic takes me to, what was that thing called? Oh, he took me to like a really great restaurant. He had his entire, he had his entire roster in front of me. And I'm going through it and I'm looking at some of the players he has. And I'm, I'm looking at him. You got to remember something. Al Davis tried hiring me to work in his personnel department. And I was very close to working with the Raiders when they went back. I was, I was, Al hired me to, to be in the, um, on the broadcast team. And then he goes, he called me in the office and he went like this sales. Oh my God. I got a great Philadelphia Eagle Raider story for you before we get into resetting. And um, so here, check it out. So I'm sitting there. And I'm I'm going like Al goes like this. I'd like to have you work for Ken Herrick, and and Ron Wolf. Then Ron got the job in Green Bay, so Ron Wolf and Ken Herrick wanted me to work in the personnel department with the Raiders, because he kept asking me. He goes, "What do you think of this guy, Ricky Dudley?" I go, "Coach, he's got brick hands. They still drafted him." He came back to me later on. And he goes, "Ricky Dudley has brick hands." I said, "He couldn't catch you." I go, "Remember something? Tight ends in the Big Ten." Who? What tight end in the Big Ten? Now, Iowa's been producing some of them lately. But I go like this. Bro, tight ends in the Big Ten? Like who? Who? And he's like, so you don't like him? I go, dude, he's a big guy, but a first-round pick? Ricky Dudley is is, is a fourth-round pick at best. They drafted him in the first round. Gruden wanted him. I'm like, man, you should never have done that. And so I'm sitting there, and he asked me about another player that they they were looking at, free agent. So I decided to stay in broadcasting. I probably should have took the Raider job because I would have stayed in. I would have stayed with the Raiders probably till today. Mark Davis loves me. I got a cell phone. Maybe we talk, me and Mark talk a lot. He just doesn't do a lot of interviews. But I I, I actually like Mark. 
So yeah, no, I, I'm then, but get this. So I'm talking to Mark Dominic and Dominic knew that I, people had sniffed around. Jimmy wanted me to work in the dolphin organization. Um, looking at talent and scouting talent. Jimmy would ask me questions about talent. And I'm like, yeah, when he was with the dolphins, I'm like that Eric green contract is going to kill you. You guys remember that guy, Eric green, that was a tight end with the dolphins. And when Jimmy took the job in Miami, I go, Don Shula left this thing in salary hell. There were so many overpaid players. Um, there were so many overplayed players on that team. And here, here's something too. Coach Johnson goes, I think we got a deal worked out to send Dan Marino to Pittsburgh for some draft choices. Wayne Heisinger parachuted in. And Jimmy called me and goes, he execute, he, he, I go, don't ever win then. Marino's not going to take you to a Super Bowl at 35 years old. He's not. That thing's over. And the problem with Marino, he had 1,000 yard back. His name was Kareem Abdul Jabbar of all names. Okay. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. And we were like this. They never put a running game together. And Jimmy was about running the ball like he was in Dallas. So that's the context. So Dominic is sitting there with me. And I'm talking to him, and he goes, and by the way, he was 24 and 55 as general manager. And I would come out every day on the air going, I think the Buccaneer front office is a bunch of CPAs and bookworms. They're librarians. There's nobody in that front office. Now, I was very close to Bruce Allen and John Gruden, okay? I was very close. I've known Bruce Allen since I was 14 years old. I've known Bruce since I was 14. And so... Mark Dominic hated the fact that, the, and the Glazers did, that I was right. I looked at him, I go, you got a bunch of lollipops on this team. That 53-man roster, you got about 17 guys that are worth the shit. He couldn't believe I said that. All the manpower they had put in, they never won. So they fired him. I go out to San Francisco, I go out to San Francisco and that's when um, Al tried hiring me. And so they bring this coordinator in from Philadelphia. He goes, hey, Sills, come on in. And I was, I was broadcasting. I was working at KMBR at the time. And so I want you to sit in the back of the room. This young blonde-headed kid, he couldn't have been more than 32. What was attractive about that was that John Madden was 32. When they hired John Madden, he was 32. And I'm sitting in the back, and John Gruden is drawing up all these plays. He was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. And he's drawing them up. I'm sitting back. Al comes back. So does Ken Herrick. And so does a guy by the name of Morris Bradshaw. He comes back and sits back with me. We're sitting there watching him draw up the plays. And the four guys and Ken looks over at me. He goes, are you figuring this out? I go, yeah, he's got about five or six plays off of about 17 different combinations of alignments. The problem with the alignments, if you don't have a cerebral quarterback that understands that, that's why Gruden never had rookie quarterbacks. He had to have veteran guys that understood alignment. If you don't understand alignment, I don't care what you drop. John had about six plays, and immediately what he wanted to try to do was spread you out immediately. He wanted to spread the defense out and try to find the gaps in the defense immediately. So what he would do is he would have five signature plays and he would have different variations of formations. And they were very complex. 
And I, I mean, Al goes, what do you think? I go, well, you're going to have to have a veteran quarterback. That's why they got Rich Gannon. That's why when they went out and they went and got that dude, uh, what's his name? Who was the guy with no brains and all the talent in the world? Jeff George. When they got Jeff George, I was like this. There's no way this guy picked. He picked it up for one year and went to the Pro Bowl. I couldn't believe it. I go, I can't believe this guy did that. Next year, completely shit the bed. They benched him. It was a one-year wonder kind of thing. I think because John made it simple for him. But then when John tried to put more of the offense in and more of the complex formations, he couldn't figure it out to save his life. He was constantly getting sacked. And that's why the Tim Rattays, the Jeff Garcias, uh, the Rich Gannons, the Brad Johnsons, that's why he had quarterback. The only first-round quarterback I can ever remember he had was Derek Carr. That's the only guy I remember. He had a high-priced first-round guy, and it was Derek Carr. The rest of those guys had to be savants and had to understand complex def- um, offensive linemen's and situational play calling. And plus, you had to deal with John's behavior. John, um, here, John Gruden would say shit like this. I'm standing on the uh, sidelines in Tampa, okay? This is before a game against... I, I, I think the Vikings or some shit. And um, all of a sudden, these guys start praying. John Gruden starts doing this. And this ain't me. Okay? This ain't me. He started saying this shit. Get them motherfuckers off the field. I don't want my players praying before a game. Fuck that shit. Get those fuckers off the field. And I'm going, oh, man, this can't go well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going like this. Bruce Allen's going, don't you ever say anything about this to anybody. And I'm sitting there watching this. He comes walking over to me. He goes, I know you don't fucking pray. I'm like, man. <laughs> I'm going like this, man. I put my head down. Bruce Allen goes, you know, we're thick as thieves. And I go, man, you're lucky, dude, because that is way over the line. <laughs> I, and, I, and I swear, my aunt watches the show every day. I go, if I would have told my aunt that, she would have went like this. Don't ever hang around them guys again. <laughs> don't get those motherfuckers off the field. They're praying before games. I don't want one player on my roster that prays before. I'm going, oh, man. <laughs> uh, they, he would talk. So much shit. He would talk so much shit before uh, to Chris Sims. Hey Sims, you have no brains. And 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 Sims would sit there and he goes, Sims, honest to God, you have no brains. He beat him up. I'm sitting at practice and Chris Sims. He comes walking on. That's why Sims and I know each other because of time in Tampa. And I'll tell you, after a game, Sims played against Carolina. He ruptured his spleen. And John Gruden gets to the podium, and I'm sitting there in the front of the press. Gruden goes, hey, see that? See that, kid? Ruptured spleen. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of guy you want on your football team. You can talk shit to him, plays hard, plays through injuries. They gave him $9 bucks after that. Honestly, they gave Chris Sims $9 million. He, 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 he wasn't very good after that, but gave him $9 bucks. 
Oh, man, he used to kill Sims in practice. Sims, you're stupid as a clamshell. What's those things, silly Oh, you eat on the beach? And here I am, conch. And he goes, conch shell. Sims is like, thanks. <laughs> hey, <I'm laughs> hey, crazy, man. Hey, by the way, is John Gruden a racist? No, but you can't talk like one and say you're not. You can't type emails using the N-word. I mean, that's a thought process when no one's watching. Dude, you are who you are when no one's watching you, not when people watch you. You know what I mean? If you're sending emails and hundreds of them uh, talking about big lips and shit and all this, you can't do that. That's not funny anymore. That's not funny. Nobody finds that funny. Okay, it offends one, it offends all. And I'm not a racist. I'm like, John, dude, I can't tell you how many emails I have between Bruce Allen and John Gruden and another partner that I won't name that was a major business person in Tampa Um, because I don't want to get sued by them because they're like trillionaires. Well, they're dropping all these like, I'm like, man, you can't use that, guys. You can't. I told my aunt this. She's like, yeah, I go, you know, you can't. You can't say that. You, you know, you are who you are when people watch you. Okay, right? I mean, when they're not watching you. That's who you are. Dude, Brad Johnson, I know, man. Hey, Yale, I get it, man. And you're right to think, and you're right to say that. You're right. There's no defense for it. That, hey, Joshua, nobody, nobody, you're right. I, it, he, you can't, you just can't behave like that. You just can't. I've told people this numerous times. I made a mistake 20 years ago or 13 years ago. It was a mistake. I've apologized for it numerous times. It's never enough. So that's why I stopped talking about it. It's just not enough. It was, a, I, it was dumb. But I don't use that word ever. I don't talk like that. I got too many friends that would look down on me. Okay? That respect me. That know me. That's right, Greasy. We surely are. NFL. Divisional round games. Let's take a look at some of these, man. Um, boy, we're going to find out a lot here. Okay. We're going to hurts is faking being healthy. Good. Cause you could think that tank, but you could also think the other way. As long as you, as long as you have the giants thinking, I'm all right with it. Okay. Okay, I'm all right with it. Let's do the Saturday games. How many people think Jacksonville has a shot to beat Kansas City? How many people think that the Jags have a shot here? Dude, Andy Reid versus his disciple, Doug Peterson. Is that the only Super Bowl matchup? It sure is. 
It sure is. It's the only Super Bowl winning matchup for coaches that have won Super Bowls this weekend. Doug Peterson versus another Super Bowl winning coach in Andy Reid. By the way, is Andy Reid the best coach in the NFL right now? Is he the best coach in the NFL? I think he is. I love the way his bets. I love his bedside manner with Mahomes. I love his bedside manner and how he handles his his quarterback. Okay, just I just love how he handles him, and I love how he handled McNabb. McNabb, if he would have listened, would have won more. And he didn't. He, McNabb's not the talent Mahomes is. But if John Gruden can win with Brad Johnson. You're trying to tell me Andy Reid couldn't win a Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb? Right? I mean, Mahomes listens. And what's great about Mahomes, so when they drafted Mahomes, this is what Andy Reid said. Here's our plan. We're going to start Alex Smith and not you in your first year. So your contemporaries are going to go out ahead of you. And they're going to succeed, and you're going to be very down and very disappointed. Don't be. You're the future. But you know the cool thing about Andy Reid? You know the cool thing? He had Alex Smith in the room. And everybody the entire time, including John Dorsey, who was then the GM, were all on the same page. They were all on the same page. They all knew what was happening. How many times did you hear people like Adam Schefter go, they showed up at a Chiefs uh, they showed up at a Chiefs practice and everybody kept going like this. Chiefs look really good, but that backup quarterback they have, you should see him throw the ball. It is unbelievable. Andy groomed this guy. But you know what? The ego of Mahomes, he had to sit back and go like this. I'm going to trust this guy. I'm going to believe this guy. I believe Andy Reid has the best interest of my career. And guess what? He also had a great agent, Lee Steinberg. I'm talking Mahomes. Sat back and Mahomes bought into it. I never got the impression that McNabb bought into Andy Reid 100%. Is it, hey, you guys tell me. Do you think McNabb bought into Andy Reid 1,000% like Mahomes has? Now, granted, Mahomes is a better talent. He, he, he is. He's a more gifted athlete, too. Not that Donovan wasn't. Donovan's attitude is what got in his way. His pettiness and his assholeness got in his way. Okay? I, I think Mahomes, I think Mahomes, in, in, in my opinion, I think, he, I think he surrenders to Andy's direction. Okay? I think he, Eagle fan goes, nope. How many people think that McNabb bought in? And I'm going to make a point to you that he didn't buy in 100%. Okay? Trevor, thanks a lot. And his bought in 50 McNabb bought in 50% of the time. 
and his lack of weapons after and before T.O. You know why, Trevor, he never bought in 100%? The T.O. relationship. It's the prime example. There was a moment for McNabb to have a, court, to have a wide receiver in the Eagle organization who was a headache, a nightmare, um, a guy who was an upsetter. But it's up to the quarterback to manage that. Tom Brady played with a murderer. I'll say it again. He played with a murderer. He played with a guy. He, uh, I saw Antonio Brown trending for something today. It had to be non-football related because his football days are in the rearview mirror. It can't be anything that's relating to football or him ever playing again. He's, he's old news. So the only thing he could do now is sh um, show, show himself naked, him being with women, him beating women, him getting arrested, him doing drugs. This is an awful ending for Antonio Brown because pretty soon he's going to run out of things that people are going to be interested in. This is heading down that route. Brady played with that guy. Brady won a Super Bowl with that guy. You see, McNabb never wanted to embrace T.O. McNabb wanted all of Philadelphia and all of you fans to love him and only him. It's quarterback's responsibility. That's why, that's why the murderer was right next to Tom Brady his entire time when he was in New England. Do you know that Aaron Hernandez's locker was right next to Tom Brady the entire time he was there? Bill Belichick used to text him daily. How you doing? They used to check on him. They made it work because they knew he was gifted, troubled, but gifted. Some would say, did you enable him? Yeah. They They did. But look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, look at the nightmare he had. Mike Tomlin had, what's that guy? Um, who was the running back that they had there? Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. Those two nightmares. You know the guy that used to do the tweets upside down? Where's he now? The guy who lit $17 million in a trash can and said that he'd get a better deal and the Jets signed him for a lesser deal. Then he was cut. Then he was waived. I think he was in Baltimore last year and they cut him. I mean, think of what Tomlin did with him. Tomlin got the most out of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And those guys went to a different pastures and it wasn't greener. It wasn't. Shows you what coaching, patience, and understanding who you have in your locker room. Donovan McNabb was none of that. Shit, he hated Deshaun Jackson. How could you hate Deshaun Jackson? You ever talk to him? He's a pretty cool dude. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I wouldn't call Deshaun Jackson a huddle wrecker. You know what I mean? I thought he was a pretty cool dude. It was up to the quarterback. Andy Reid can only do so much with Terrell Owens. Okay. 
I mean, he, he needed to have him right next to him, talking to him all the time. Those guys needed to go out to dinner. Those guys needed to – I mean, Antonio Brown lived in Tom Brady's house so he could keep an eye on him. McNabb was never that guy. And look, am I sitting here taking T.O.'s side? No. I'm hating on what McNabb could have been. He never bought in Andy Reid. Dude, that quarterback in Kansas City, you know what he bought? Get this. Do you think this and how Andy Reid dealt this year? Watch this. So when they get rid of Tyree Kill, and let's not forget something. That video wasn't very kind to Tyree Kill getting accused of beating up your uh, your baby your baby kid. I'm not sitting here and I'm not I'm not judging that situation cuz I don't know shit about it. I just saw a video and I don't know. All I'm saying that wasn't a good look for him. And the Hunt family, not a good look for them. That's not going to go Kareem Hunt kick that chick out the door. That's not how they act. They don't tolerate that kind of stuff. And I'm very shocked. And I'm sure behind scenes, Clark Hunt told Andy Reid about his son and the drinking on the complex because his kid got hammered at the facility at Arrowhead and then hit that woman's kid. You know, I mean, I'm sure that organization has had a conversation with Andy Reid on that. You could almost bet he did. That's that's how, the Hunt family is very very queasy with dudes with not having very good character. They're not that people. They're not going to go out and grab them dudes. Okay, not going to go like that. So can you imagine Patrick Mahomes walks into Andy Reid's office and goes like this? Can you imagine how McNabb would have handled this. He'd have been okay with it. Because he, it meant that one of the Eagles was out of the room and more publicity for Donovan McNabb in Philly. I find it funny every time I hear him on WIP offering nothing. And, and, and can you imagine Patrick Mahomes walking in going, so you're going to take the number one deep threat in the NFL and maybe in history off this roster? Who are you replacing him with? He goes, we're looking at Juju Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster? That's who we're replacing Tyree Kill with? Dude, you had to have that kind of angst if you're Mahomes. Man. And Andy probably went, don't worry about it. I got you. We're good. You're going to be all right. We're going to spread the ball out more. We're going to be as effective. And trust me, don't worry about it. What happened this year? He broke the yardage total. He threw for 40-some touchdowns. He goes, don't worry about it. I got you. And can you imagine the confidence that you have today versus he's got more confidence in Andy Reid today than he did at any time in his career in Kansas City because Andy's proclamations and his forecasting turned out to be true. McNabb never bought into it. Don't worry. I got this. Nah. There's the difference. He went out and broke the single season yard. He broke Manning's. Single season uh, yardage record. No, no, Stanley, I'm not saying he was as talented. And I've said that 500 times today. That McNabb was not nowhere near the talent of Mahomes. But, dude, if you can win a Super Bowl 
with Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer, I'm sure a guy like Andy Reid could have dragged Donovan McNabb across the finish line if he bought in. That's my point. You had a seriously gifted guy in Kansas City. And I think Andy Reid's a better coach than he was in Philadelphia and Kansas City. I think it's because of the experiences, the whole front office dynamic. Here, here's something that Andy Reid is better in Kansas City than he was in Philly. What was the big issue in Philadelphia with him? Well, he had to go through Joe Banner and then Howie. Well, after John Dorsey got Patrick Mahomes and some of the other players like Chris Jones on that team, all of a sudden, John Dorsey, being John Dorsey, wanted to have more power with the Hunt family. Andy was having none of that. You're not running anything. I'm not running anything through you like I had to in Philly. I'm not running any of that through you. The Hunt family chose Andy Reid. Andy hadn't won a Super Bowl yet. He hadn't won a Super Bowl. But the Hunt family believed that Andy could take the team to the Super Bowl and win it, and he did. And now you get rid of Tyree Kill, and now you have home field advantage again. Circumstances precluding that you didn't really earn it, but you still have it. Andy Reid is a better coach today in Kansas City. And guess who learned all this? Doug Peterson. Doug is taking a page right out of Andy Reid, Kansas City, Philadelphia, and implementing it in Jacksonville. The whole behind-the-scenes thing, it, it, it mirrors each other. Doug wins the Super Bowl. He's a disciple of Andy. He butted heads with the general manager in Philadelphia, still won it because of his experiences with Andy. He, he takes the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Greatest example of this? Hey, coach, let's run the Philly special. Let's run it. Wasn't a pause, a hesitation. The player bought in. The coach bought in. Coach loves his players. Let's run it. Dude, there should be a shirt in Philadelphia. Coach, the Philly special. Let's run it. Dude, that should be under every single Philadelphia Eagle shoulder pads for the next 100, 100 years. Let's run it. <laughs> it ran it. I mean, Brady's tried to run that play twice and look like shit doing it. Let's do it. I think it's one of the greatest coach player moments in Super Bowl history. Let's do it. Never even, I mean, Reed's got the, I mean, um, ain't, I mean, um, Doug's got the board. He's got the glasses up. He's sitting here. He's looking at it. He's listening to Frank. Hey, let's run a Philly special. Let's do it. <laughs> They're going over a hundred different plays. Let's do it. Come on, man. I mean, the Philly special looks like it was drawn up at a White Castle. <laughs> but look at what Doug's doing now in Jacksonville. Doug battled at the end with that general manager in that front office. I mean, the wrestling matches that must have went on in the arm wrestling matches over everything from Sunday rosters being picked 
to money, to incentives, to the assistant coaches. Everything had to be in. Man, Doug probably got just worn out and said, I can't do this anymore. I got to fight this guy on everything. And it, it proves out it's true. Doug had to fight ever. Like Zach Pascal, Doug Peterson's not getting Zach Pascal. And the only reason that Howie gave Nick Sirianni Zach Pascal is because he knows Frank, he's cheap, and he's not expensive. I mean, Zach Pascal was nothing this year to the Eagles. It was a gift to Nick. Think about that. Zach's done shit. He's like a special. I mean, is he on special teams? I don't know. He's not really done shit. Nick wanted something. It's good. Plus, you know what Howie looks at it as? Howie goes like this. Yeah, everybody looks like Nick wants him. Remember what he said at the press conference, though? I had to run it by Howie. I had to run it by Howie. <laughs> I can't run his shit by you. And he's got a general manager down there that I don't like, Trent Balky, who destroyed that, uh, that 49er team. And I'm not a big fan of his, but he's in his place. Like, he's in the broom closet. Okay? Yeah, I mean, Trent Balky's in the broom closet. He's in the Howie Roseman broom closet. He comes out when he needs him to make some phone calls for him. But that's about it. You, you, know, you know the guy when you, when, you're, when you check into a hotel, the concierge? That's what Trent Balky is. Trent Balky is the concierge in Jacksonville. Hey, listen, Doug wants this. Hey, listen, can you get Doug some coffee? Hey, listen, um, I need a new pair of Doug Peterson knee pads. Can you bring, can you bring them up? He's the concierge. Trent Balky's a concierge in Jacksonville. <laughs> okay. And he's putting that thing together the same way Andy put the Kansas City Chiefs together. Got a franchise quarterback. He's turned them back into being one. You got a hell of a running back who's dual threat in the running game, that Etienne kid. Okay. This is going to be a pretty interesting ball game. It really is. Hey, hey. Mateo, I can't believe it either, man. Trent Balky's a stiff. I have, that's why, hey, by the way, so you know, Mateo, that's why Leftwich didn't take the job because he was in the building. That's why Leftwich said, no way. No way. No way. Because Brady told him, dude, you're not going to take a job with Trent Balky in the building, are you? And he turned it down. Last year, Byron Leftwich turned two jobs down, the Marshall gig and the head coaching job in Jacksonville. Tank, is Sirianni listening? Well, two weeks ago, Merrill did a show from Sirianni's office, and he was watching um, Merrill do the show from his office. What do you think, Tank? Giants in Philly. Oof, I'm going to leave that one alone because we've hit a lot on it. I'm going to... Take a little more time for tomorrow. Hey, when we come back, I want to hit on the Sunday game. Cincy, Buffalo, Dallas, and San Fran. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia. 
and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. My name is uh, Fran Soleno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. I mean, you think you're the Super Bowl favorite now because you beat a shitty Bucks team. Come on, man. It's the best playoff game you've had in 30 years. 
I mean, seriously, I actually have more faith in the Giants than I do the Cowboys. Dude, hey, guys, I'm critical of the Eagles. But the Cowboys aren't in their league. Not close. Philly's a heavyweight champion until otherwise. Are there good-looking contenders now? San Francisco looks like a great contender. The Giants look like an improved contender. The Cowboys are an inconsistent contender. Can I tell you, you guys probably don't know this boxing analogy, but to me, do you know who the Cowboys are? They're Riddick Bowe. Riddick Bowe beat Evander Holyfield, and they got beat by a bum. Okay, the Cowboys are Buster Douglas. Really a great knockout. Then he's a turd. The Eagles are Evander Holyfield. Cruiserweight champion. Middle, um, cruiserweight, light heavy, and heavyweight. Evander Holyfield's one of the three great, he may not be the most spectacular fighter, but he's one of the three most accomplished fighters, heavyweights in history. Cruiserweight, light heavy, and heavyweight champion of the world. No other guy's done that. 85 goes, CJ is an absolute number one priority this offseason. I would try to move off a of sleigh if I could. I would draft some, I would draft a corner too. Cowboy guys. I mean, come on, man. They're gonna play the Niners. Dude, here, this is Buster Douglas. Like, this is Buster Douglas versus George Foreman. Cowboys have a puncher's chance. Don't get hit by George's right hand. It'll put you to sleep. Foreman is a devastating knockout guy. He's one of my favorite people I've ever known in sports. I'm proud to be his friend. He's actually been on this program. I love George Foreman. I mean, I love Big George. Yep. Gold medalist and heavyweight champion. Hey, by the way, how many people think that Muhammad Ali was the heavyweight champion gold medalist in Rome? You'd be wrong. I think he was either the middleweight or the or, or the light heavyweight. He wasn't the heavyweight champion in Rome. Ali weighed like 190 in Rome or some shit. He wasn't the heavyweight champion. That movie, Ali, is factually wrong. He was the light heavyweight champion. In Rome. Anyway. Yeah. If Dallas beats San Francisco, they're for real. This is going to be their, this is their moment. Hey, the Tampa game, man, that Buck team did not, the Bucks were the worst. Hey, who would have thought this? A Tom Brady team was exactly who Parcel said they are. Dude, your record is who you are. And it was true. I knew Tommy Gunn, man. I knew, I knew, I knew Morrison. I liked him, man. Guy died of AIDS. I, li- I, I liked him, man. He's, he's, he was good people, Tommy Morrison. I liked him. 
I, I don't think Dallas beat San Francisco. Better coaching in San Francisco? This kid Brock Purdy's not going to come back to the pack. He's not. We'll see, though. Dallas played the best game in 30 years. I actually saw Micah Parsons off the milk carton. This other game on Sunday, Cincinnati versus Buffalo. In Buffalo. So, again, get this. At the end of the day, they're playing the game anyway. Do you think they should have played that game on Monday night now? Or not? Once you found out the kid was better by the end of the week and he was showing great signs, you're playing the game anyway. You're pl- but but hey Dibbin, you're playing the game anyway. You're you're playing the game anyway. No, 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 no. I'm not saying he should have played. No, no. I'm not saying they should have played and went on and played that night. Other they should have probably played the next Monday. No, I do not like the AFC championship game should be played in Atlanta. And I don't like the fact that Kansas City gets home field advantage. Um, I just don't. If Buffalo wins this game, I don't like that. Okay? Cincinnati and Buffalo both beat Kansas City this year. Why should Kansas City have the distinction if Buffalo loses to have home field advantage? How do you know Cincinnati wouldn't have beat Buffalo that night? I don't know, man. I just... It wasn't Kansas City getting the home field wasn't earned. It wasn't earned. The game had to be postponed. I, I didn't say it shouldn't have been postponed. I'm talking about you're playing the game anyway. You're 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 playing the game. What if Cincinnati Cincinnati was winning that game? What if they won? I think I, I still I, I think Kansas City still has only three losses though. They probably still would have wrapped up home field even though losing to Cincinnati. So Buffalo, if Buffalo would have won though, that would have been an interesting conversation. I Chris, I think Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati's old line has played better. Okay. I thought the Ravens handled them though. You know what I mean? I thought the Ravens, I thought the Ravens handled them. Sills, do you think the networks had their hands in the decision? Somewhat, yes. They had to, they had to deal with the networks when it came to scheduling the playoffs. Dude, you guys know this. The NFL wasn't changing their playoff system. NFL was, dude. God forbid the kid died. What do you think the NFL wasn't going to play the playoffs? You know what they would came up with? We're going to play it in honor of Demar Hamlin. Come on, man. You know that. They were playing it anyway. They were just waiting to see if the kid died on the field. And they were praying that didn't happen. And it didn't, thank God. You know that's exactly what they were hoping. They were like, please, this, please, please, because we don't want the playoffs to be rattled here. Imagine that, the NFL suspended an NFL game because they didn't want to upset the playoffs. That's because the money is all in the playoffs. Money's all in the playoffs, man. Big money. Dude, the Super Bowl? Did you hear what the, the spots are this year? 
$10 million for a 30-second spot. (laughs) All right. Hey, I appreciate everybody. Please hit the like button. By the way, if you don't follow me on Twitter, please do. At Dan Cilio Show. I thank you guys so much, man. This is great. Divisional football, man. Some unbelievable football games will be played this weekend. Tone, thank you. Xander, thank you. God bless all of you. See you tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern. And we'll catch you on the flip side.